This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Wood from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It's time once again for another splendid episode of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are right here at 1600 Buckslayer Place, right in the Bucketorium in beautiful Sherrard, Illinois. Zip code. How, how, how can Why I not remember that? zip code is? I don't know because it's funny that I don't know it, and it amuses me that I don't know it, and I never care to learn it. But anyway, I'm Steve. It's not that funny. In the studio today is Kurt Geyer. As usual. I never see your last name either. That's kind of odd. Yeah. But also <laughs> also with us, Clark Cummings from Respect the Game. Hello. And Matt Cummings from Clark Cummings. <laughs> and Respect the Game. What's up, buddy? Nothing. Nothing's up. You're, dude, you're out late on a school night, and you get the podcast with the realest bow hunting podcast ever, and nothing's up. <laughs> Not much, no. I guess. I guess Put if I on shot, the spot. I guess if I shot a 200 inch deer too, I wouldn't care about doing some dinky podcast in Sherrard, But uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah, fine. it's fine. No, okay. And uh, you know, what, we're, what? We're, we're dropping it. We're moving on. You got a vet shout? I do, I do got a vet shout. It should out. be more we of have a military a, shout out. Actually, it, it should. Oh, you okay there? Oh yeah, we're good. Uh, we didn't lose anything. Nope. 
right, the we haven't uh, talked about them in a while, but uh, go ahead and check out Dark Horse Lodge. Um, we haven't forgot about them. Dark Horse Lodge, peaceful retreat for combat vets. Check out darkhorselodge.org. They're all over social media. Um, you can uh, you can donate to them if you go to smile.amazon.com. A portion of their proceeds, thank you, are going to go to uh, go to help them out. It, it, they're moving along. If you check out their Facebook, you know they've had the they got a lot of progress being made, and it's with uh, the help of your donations. So check them out. Also, if you go to Ethics Archery. And you purchase uh, some stuff there. We've got a super secret code. You're going to have to go listen to the episode that we would we did with Hoss, Bruce Clark. That's such a tease. I know. So go listen there. You'll get a um, – once you buy some products from them, they'll uh, they'll send a portion of those proceeds to Dark Horse You don't even remember what percentage, do you? Huh? You don't even remember what percentage. Are you putting on. me on the spot? Yes. I bet I do remember. Because you know half the information – I know all the information, <laughs> but I want you to go back and listen to that because it's a very informative uh, podcast, and uh, you'll be splendid when you get those uh, get those inserts, and uh, it'll be going to a good cause. So go check that episode out. And uh, this podcast again, is brought to you by dot org. This podcast is brought to you by Elite Archery. Mm. Um, we're all shooting elites in here. I'm rocking the tempo, Steve. You're doing the option, option six, Clark. Tempo, yes, lame. Team. Team Tempo. Matt? Team Tempo. The Camex. <laughs> uh, spirit. It's not out anymore. Are you just shooting that Spirit? Yeah. The Spirit's nice. awesome, though. Can you get that in a heavy poundage? Like, can you get it? Because Matt, or uh, Matt, I'm sorry, Mark was saying mm. that he, he wishes he could get the Spirit in a higher poundage because if it's like a lighter package bow. Yeah, it What's, is light. I I was thinking you could. I, I can't I'd, say for sure, though. Did they not go to the what's the new one? Is it the impression that's more kind of geared towards smaller frame and yeah? Um, I think that's a sixty-five pound bow. I mean, why wouldn't I'm it? Sure, be? you could get into anything. Yeah. We could look that up, but it's uh, they've got that one in the emerge. emerge yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. The spirit. I'll shoot Sam's bow, and she gets mad at me. She's like, "Why do you want to shoot it?" I'm like, "I just, I don't know. It's I want to shoot. It. It's enjoyable. Yeah, it's it like, a nice bow. Yeah, I like, I like it. It's smooth. It almost feels like not real." It's yeah. how like buttery smooth it is. It's like I don't yeah. know. It's just silky smooth all the way through it. I don't know. I always grab her bow. I'm like, Let me shoot a few arrows. No, shoot your own. I'm like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Um, also brought to you by HHA. Take it away. I'm having some major headphone issues. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I got bought the... these two hundred fifty dollar Beats by Dre headphones, and they're the worst things on the planet. Well, there's probably a new pair of uh, Beats coming out, just like all iPhones. But uh, <laughs> HHA Sports. Uh, go to hhasports.com, the leader in single pin sights. We all, uh, well, not all of us in here, but me and Kurt, we shoot uh, our HHAs, uh, Kingpin dovetails. I love mine. I've uh, I've gotten. I've gotten so spoiled with having just a single pin that, you know, if you ever try to you know, shoot another bow that has multi-pins on it, it's like, dude, you got to get all that junk out of there. And, hey, everything's there is made, uh, made in Wisconsin. Well, 99% of it's made in Wisconsin, all local from Wisconsin Rapids. So check out HHASports.com. Also, they have the Virtus rest, which is incredibly awesome. They, if you buy that rest, the Virtus... 2.2% of that's going to go to proceeds um, for charities with uh, veterans with PTSD. So go ahead and uh, go to your local dealer and find the Virtus. Yeah, it's also brought to you by Scent Crusher. Yeah, boy, Kurt's of, back. I'm on a $20 set of headphones now, and they're performing better than the Beats. It, it was cutting out so bad, I thought my mic was peaking. 
Yeah, I was watching you over there. I'm like, what in the... It's not good. Um, Scent Crusher, check them out at ScentCrusher.com. From the Ozone Go to the gear bag, the room clean. Been using the room clean in the studio a lot, especially to get rid of the, like, that glue smell and the the fresh, nasty mm. pallet wood smell after <laughs> rebuilding it. And uh, Steve uses it after he takes a poop in the bathroom. He'll plug that baby in. Before, run. during, and after. <laughs> yeah. And, you got to uh, cover all bases, buddy, because during's when it's getting really bad. Yeah, you crank that up to 10 there and let her run, huh? Oh, dude, let her rip, tater chip. <laughs> You can't argue. It's it's kind of rocket science. <laughs> rocket. <laughs> it is science. <laughs> Who was always calling it a rocket surgeon or something? I've heard somebody say, ah, this ain't rocket surgery. <laughs> Didn't some one of the ozone units get created from, like, a dentist having to work on, like, people's mouths? Uh, I know the I, story where Dan Drake started Scent Crusher was from someone got hurt on a football field and yeah, got on cut the, and got like on a the turf. Yeah, and got like a really weird like a bacterial infection. And they used this ozone unit, ran it over the turf to like sterilize the 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 field. Which is pretty amazing. Huh. It is. That's it's science. Cool. Yeah. Smith's custom meats and deer processing. We have both been there. Actually all three of us. We got the bag of jerky rolling. Thanks for that. Um uh-huh. I got to go there. Last week, from the, since the last episode, I sh- I redeemed myself and shot a doe. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful shot. First first year I've ever killed with a lighted knock. It was incredible. Um, the light in the studio stays red for another week. But I went there. I got all the sticks made. I got more jerky made. I got their garden medley venison brats. I'm getting some of those. Oh, I got, I got I got some of those. I called Scott like next day. I'm like, hey dude, uh, can I add something to my order? Yeah, what do you want? Garden medley brats. So check out Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. That's more for our local listeners. But if you're in the area, try and get out there, get a deer there. And uh, good product, good people. And they're fast. Especially this time of year when they're not as slammed with all the the deer. Like, it's it's pretty quick. So thanks to all our supporters. Oh, podcast is also brought to you by our good buddy Drew Booth's uh, beer cellar that he's got. He's uh, supplied us with some uh, wonderful beer tonight. So thank you, you, man. What are you drinking? You're drinking drinking King Sue. First time ever having it. So, uh, big shout out to him. I've never he, met you, but I need to because he's, he's dude. He's a listener. This he, is the second big bottle of uh, Topland Goliath Brewing that I've had from that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny too when he first uh, told me. He's like, he messaged me. He goes, "Hey, I got a bottle of beer for Kurt." And I was like, "Dude, you listen?" To, like, I guess I'm shocked that my friends actually listen to the podcast. But he's like, "Yeah, I hear him talk about pseudo Sue all the time." But he loves beer. He's a beer connoisseur. I, know, I gotta go. We had a podcast and just talk about... We, I need to start my own separate podcast so I can talk about beer and stuff Dude, for a he's while. Getting, so. He's getting a bar put in down... He's the guy to go to for beer. He drove to like Grand Haven, Michigan. Is that a place or am I making that up? But yeah, know. just to get Kentucky breakfast stout. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Alright. Clark and Matt, thank you for coming yet again. Thanks for having us. This yeah. is your... How many episodes have you done? I think this is number three, isn't it? No, we've done Maybe more than four. that. We've done Maybe more than four. that. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, I've done he, two, and Matt's done one, so, so this will well, be my fourth. We'll get you closer. Hold on. This is oh, the, I need to be a little closer. Well, that was the old Clark. This is the new and improved yeah. Grizz. Grizz. Team Grizz. Team Grizz. <laughs> <laughs> so I just... I just talked to the other half of Team Grizz today, so that was nice. Oh, yeah? Yeah, my buddy Jeff Southall from uh, – he's actually the graphics designer out of Elite out of Elite in Rochester. So The graphics designer, huh? Yeah. He actually had designed his own bow when we went to Africa. Uh, but not his own camo. I shouldn't say his own bow. He had it right. on a uh, – I uh, can't even think of it. The, enli- uh, the uh, enlist? No, the uh, – 
Oh, God. I know it. Yeah, I, I know target, exactly what you're talking about. Revol- yeah, it was Revol- it on the victory. The Revol- 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 yeah. I, it was Revol- like at the t- Revol- I kept one to call it Revolver, and I'm like, what, what am I? I can <laughs> I, never like say a- that bow name right. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I remember Revol- we saw. Okay, so he put his own. Okay, it was like that orange. Was it like a tiger stripe? If I'm yeah, not mistaken, he, he okay. did it African themed. It was really cool. It was just something. Really? That he said he just kind of wanted to make his own design of everything Africa. So, and he just dips it or what? It was dipped, yeah. And really? He, he actually made his own camo pattern and then had it dipped, and it was it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and I was like, man, that's kind of odd. But, I, but it was right around that um, that string of, uh, I know Darren Christianberry un- unveiled his. So, I mean, that's kind of, these are kind of teasers of what's yeah. getting ready to come. But uh, someone else had, had uh, another bow that I can't think of who it was. But, um, yeah. Well, this is the guy that was behind all that. I mean, he, he did... All those guys' bows, I believe, and kind of helped him design oh, okay. that. He's a cool dude. So he's the other half of Team Grizz, huh? Team yeah, Grizz. Team Grizz. We got split off, and that's when uh, somebody said, uh, I think it was McCoy, said, you're going with Griswold. And he said, Team Grizz, I like it. I'm in. So that from there, it just became <laughs> Team Grizz. <laughs> Let's, uh, so let's, we need to talk about Africa because yeah, we haven't yeah, talked to you since. Yeah, that well, was, person, it was an incredible trip. Um, oh, I forgot to wear my surgical mask while you're around. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't bring back that many diseases. <laughs> well, you Just can't. A couple. You can't donate blood for a while. <laughs> <laughs> for a while. Yeah, no, it was an awesome trip. I would, I would highly suggest for somebody to save your pennies and go. It's yeah, it's really more affordable than you would think, but it was just so much fun so game rich the food was awesome. People were awesome. I know you had Larry on and kind of covered all that, but we talked yeah. a little bit about it, but. It's like we kind of discussed with him, I think, and ah, we've done so many podcasts to get them blended up. But like, for a lot of people, I feel like it's not really on the bucket list for a lot of people. Or a lot of people like don't have like a big interest in doing it. Like, were you kind of that way before you went, or how do you how do you feel? Yeah, absolutely. It was something that always sounded neat, but I never really thought I would do it, and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. If I was creating a bucket list, that wasn't on my list. But when the opportunity arose, I thought, you know. At first, I was kind of him hawing, and I thought, you know, sometimes you just got to do go it for it because right. you may never get the chance again. So right. we had an opportunity to go over there with a the crew and said, you know what, let's just do it. So my my biggest question is, how did you get the approval from your boss? I mean, <laughs> my boss at work or my boss at okay. home? The boss of your life. Your the boss wife. of my life. Your, lov- <laughs> your lovely wife. I love her to death. All right. Well, there's a little <laughs> strategy to making something. Don't give it all up. The Somebody boss's idea. It's kind of like at work. It's like yeah, the boss is never wrong, so you kind of got to make it their idea. So I just kind of, as much as I wanted to go, I said, maybe it's the wrong time. I probably should not. And right, right. Well, you know, Brilliant. you might be missing an opportunity. Uh-huh. I said, well, yeah, but I shouldn't spend the money with Haley in college, my daughter. And Right. Well, but it's only, <clears throat> it's. It's just once, and you probably never get the chancing. So it, it became her idea. So nice, awesome, nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I know you're so good at supporting me and everything, and you support my passion. I just, I'm so thankful for you, honey. Yeah. I'll just, I'll pass. I'll sit this one. Oh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> Young man, are you taking notes? <laughs> Take it's notes. Listen, man. listen. Your old man just pulled one over on your mother. He got to go to Africa and shoot animals. 
Dude, I, I can't <laughs> even go out over. drinking beer with my buddies and my girlfriend gets mad. <laughs> Do you see what's happening? <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it how was many awesome. animals did you kill over there? I killed three. Really? Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of there. Basically, I had a lot of these animals. I didn't know what I wanted to shoot. And that's the cool thing about Africa. You can get there and, and kind of decide after you've seen something. If you... If you see a wildebeest and you think, hey, I really would like to shoot a wildebeest, you just tell them, hey, I want to shoot a wildebeest, and you kind of talk numbers, and and they'll get you in an area with a lot of wildebeest, and it may be on a different farm. Uh, they'll talk to the landowners. They'll they'll get you lined up with an area. Right. They may really? not have them on that certain concession wow. um, in so, great numbers, but they, they probably know somebody that does. So you might go 30 miles away. Mm-hmm. which is kind of what I did when I got my kudu. We weren't hmm. seeing a ton of kudu where we were at, but mm-hmm. uh, she actually, the lady we was with, Kylie, she said, hey, we've got an opportunity where a guy knows there's a lot of kudu coming in if anybody wow. wants to get a kudu. Really? And I thought, well, that would be cool. And we seen just enough kudu that I knew. I thought, man, that would be awesome to shoot one. Aren't they yeah. huge? Yeah, they're huge. I would say... Uh, they size of an elk. They look like body me, wise. Yeah, to me, they look bigger than an elk because they're taller, but they wouldn't outweigh an elk. An elk. Ah. Um, they're kind of slender, but they're tall. Uh, but they were just a beautiful animal. I seen mm-hmm. it. I thought, man, first time I laid eyes on one, I thought I would love to shoot one of those. That would be, <laughs> yeah, that would be the bomb. So. You know what? That, here's where, here's where you messed up because you didn't shoot a giraffe, and I think you didn't apply your logic correctly because. <laughs> You could have you could have been like you know tell the guy wow man yeah I'd love to shoot a giraffe but nah and then all of a sudden you're playing that psychology game where they're like no 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 but you probably should because this might be the only opportunity you yeah. know you use oh that I got those. some of that yeah we <laughs> did you I could have shot some giraffes and <laughs> really yeah no shit oh yeah they we had them right in on us and they were they were fair game everybody thinks that giraffes are just oh. zoo animals and that they're oh hell no almost extinct there was plenty of giraffes and they are very wild it, it's like chasing a, a giant deer really i mean i still don't know that i would necessarily want to pull the trigger on one <laughs> right but i have nothing against somebody can you bow does. kill them like are they oh, all yeah. cool with that and everything yeah they they said if you want to shoot a giraffe we can put you on a giraffe Dude, that taxidermy bill's got to be stupid so what, though. Uh, <laughs> why like um i'm curious to see because i don't know the details me over there i'm like yeah, fuck it. I'll shoot a giraffe. Like that's kind of yeah. how I'd be. Like, what's a giraffe backstrap be like? <laughs> you know, I'm about to have a I'm about to have a neck roast yeah. from a giraffe. I'll feed half Africa with it. Oh, they <laughs> they they said it's good eating. Oh, I bet it's amazing. Oh, I bet, yeah. dude. Yeah, the but neck what is what was good. like when they were like, yeah, if you want to shoot one, it's fair game. Like, where were you? Like, mm, yeah, I don't really need to shoot a giraffe. Yeah, I was that way with giraffes and zebras, and I think it's the zoo animals I had a harder time with, but I could see why people would want to. Yeah. Um, because when you're there, they're, I mean, when you see a zebra, it doesn't act any different than a whitetail does here. I mean, right. it's just a, yeah. it's just a different animal, and it's they're beautiful animals, but... I think zebra uh, would be like on my one of my top ones. I, no, dude, two, it was either last night or two nights ago, I knew I wanted to shoot a zebra, because I watched uh, a male zebra trying to drown a baby zebra. <laughs> I was like, yes, I want to shoot one. Well, yeah. one me over, I went to Joe Meter's taxidermy school in Solon, Iowa mm. when I graduated college, and they were working on a, uh, it was a pedestal mount zebra, and it was the most beautiful Ooh. thing I've ever seen. Like, I was like, these things are amazing. And it, it, I just won me over. I'm like, I, I need to hunt one of those. You know what, day, though? But 
I bet it's a sham. I bet you shoot one of them, and the the sensation only lasts for lasts for five seconds. That son of a bitch has been selling us terrible gum, and that's the second time <laughs> I brought up fruity stripe. It is, uh, but you know what? I I did uh, bring up, and I, I just I I think shooting exotic animals appeals to me a lot. Um, like when we were talking to Larry McCoy, I said I wanted to shoot a silverback gorilla. It's kind of messed up, I feel like. <laughs> and have silver ba- and douse it in cookies, barbecue sauce. Obviously, I'm kidding, but the opportunity to shoot um, something really rare like that, like Larry McCoy shot one of the uh, uh, Pierre... Uh, yeah, Pierce David Buck. Yeah, Pierce yeah. David Buck. I, something like that is really, really appealing to me. And, you know, the, the more people I get to talk to, you know, on this continent, you know, like goats and things are starting to really appeal to me, but... You know, Africa is one of those situations where it's like, you know, if you get an opportunity to shoot a giraffe, I don't know that I could pass that up. But then again, you're thinking about that taxidermy bill. Like, yeah. that's not going to be cheap. See, yeah. I'm where the like, hell is that going to go in your garage? you got to keep part of it, right? Or what You're going to hang done? the neck over the rafters? Like, I don't know what you, you know? would do. I mean, it would you'd have to have a huge room. But. Skull. Uh, a lot of people do, like, rugs and stuff, which the zebra rugs are really cool. I'm sure mm. the giraffe ones were were awesome, too, but. Um, and then the meat goes to the orphanage where we were at. We we tried to eat That's at least awesome. some of everything we got. Try it, oh yeah, just to see what it was like, and it was good. And then the rest of it, nothing went to waste. It all went to the orphanage, so that was cool. That's a major point that like we should stress too about that whole hunt. Like you know, we joke around like, oh yeah, I'll kill a I'll kill a giraffe or a zebra. Like oh, they're beautiful. It's not just that. Like it's being used. It's, I think people oh. have the misconception. Everyone listening to this podcast knows that yeah. what's behind it, but say for some reason, someone that doesn't hunt is listening and I don't you welcome. Hello, NPR people <laughs> who want more ammo for their. Okay. So, NPR but it's show. like people think that it's like, you just let it lay and take a photo with it. It's yeah. not the case. No, it's, it's your trophy hunting because it's a trophy to you, but all the meat is going to get utilized. Right. And I wouldn't personally shoot anything if I didn't know it was going to get used. Yeah, I'm, I'm personally not eating it because I can't eat an entire Giraffe. animal while I'm there. <laughs> right. Exactly. But <laughs> yeah. when you know it's getting used and you see these kids, their faces light up when they know they're going to get because that's the only meat they're getting over there. I mean, oh, they're yeah. Not, they're not getting cows and stuff. They're, let they're alone there's not a lot of animals. Well, let alone it's like you don't got to eat animals. Like, I don't. I'm I'm ignorant to Africa. I don't know a lot, but I can't imagine there's a whole lot of vegetation to live off of down no, there. No, there's not. You know, or it's, clean water right in certain spots. Yeah. yeah so to have a steak. Although what I, what I did hear about what was weird with elephants is um, because in in certain regions in um, I, again I saw this, so quote me if I'm wrong, but like the elephants were so thick in this one region that because their dung droppings had such good nutrients in it all this vegetation started to grow. Well, the problem with that is that all of a sudden the animals that survived off of being able to see far away, like, yeah, I can see a lion far away. I'm going to keep my distance. Now all of a sudden there's all this vegetation. So yeah, they started getting killed. Heard that. That's interesting though. I, yeah. I, I remember seeing, and I can't remember what it was. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, but I, if I remember it, I'll, I'll show that clip. But yeah, they, they were like, you know, over the past, and it happened within like 20 years. They, it still looked barren as shit. Like, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it wasn't just like straight sand. <laughs> Matt's over there laughing. Or that dried up dirt that looked like the album I cover of an Alice in Chains album. But, it, dude, it was like thick, so. Where do you I, get this shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only I, thing I can uh, think of with that crusted, you know, where that dirt turns into like yeah. potato chips. Well, yeah. Before we transition, is there something that's like super noteworthy? I know we're kind of all over the place on you on Africa here, yeah. but um, 
Is there anything that we you need to cover? Because I want to hear more about it. But I just yeah, it was. Uh, it's just something that I would I would suggest anybody to to go. Uh, it was so much fun. Just the the scenery, the people, the trackers were amazing. Uh, we had awesome accommodations where we were at. We, the place we was at was called uh, Africa Sport Hunting Safaris, and uh, the the guides, the trackers, everybody was awesome. I've never seen anybody that could track like these guys. They were. That's what I've heard. They were insane. Like, they, in sand where you can't see anything. I mean, the blood hits the ground and it turns into a little ball of sand. You really just can't see anything. Mm -hmm. And they could follow it, even with all the other animal tracks. They could somehow, they do this little hand motion, like it's going this way. That's what Baker really? uh, Baker Levitt was saying. Yeah. You remember how he was like... Well, Larry was talking about that, too. It's yeah. That they're, the professional hunters, is that what they call them? Well, yeah. the, there's the PHs. That's the guys that actually take you. And the yeah. PHs' job, basically, is to... One, they'll put you on the animal, but they're also telling you which animals are of the class that are ready to shoot. Because they all look... Like, you look at a, a an Impala, and I may not know a, a Impala that's ready to shoot from one that's not. Mm-hmm. But that's what they're there for. Like, this one is a shooter, but that one's not. Well, that's true, too. I mean, you know, if you saw, like, you know, if he came over here and was looking at white-tailed right. deer, it's he would like, know oh, a, yeah, a two-year-old from a four-year-old. Yeah, he yeah, looks exactly. good, but, but there's subtle things that you pick up. I mean, you just have to be around for a while to be able to pick that up. I'm not, you know, there's times me and Kurt are watching hunting videos, and I'll look, and I'm like, you know, this looks odd. And, you know, it's, there's things that, like, we were watching Bill Winky today. Mm-hmm. And you remember we're looking... And we thought that deer was like, oh, it's a good deer, but Bill Winky's like, that's an old deer. And I, I remember Kurt was like, really? And I go, oh, I would have said, I, I said I, four and a half or older. And that's sometimes yeah. all, some deer, but yeah. it's different though. Like, and probably the same thing in Africa too is why they're there is because an Impala might have a carrot. I don't know, like a big buck, for instance, that's, you know, oh, he, I don't know how old he is. He's for sure four and a half or older, but he might carry his weight different or he's a, he, does things different he might run more than another buck that's five and a half that, yeah you know and they, they pick up on they they know exactly what they're looking at and that's that's why you have the ph and then then once you shoot then out comes the trackers like they'll they'll call the trackers and say okay now and they show the up in some like mash looking jeep basically how, how yeah. many were there like it, if you shot an animal how many um, came? we had two come in most of the time there'd be two trackers come and and i was lucky i hit everything perfect so i really didn't have to track it very far right i probably could have found my own animals pretty easily but it was neat to see them work because right, it right. was so and, good but and, one guy hit a wildebeest a little back and they tracked that thing through that desert plains for a long ways and they found it they found it yeah and it was just amazing so i know that's insane you sort of just answer i was going to say like say you made a, a ham shot and maybe you know maybe the deer would have died or a critter would have died like would you have had full confidence that would have been recovered because of those guys yeah because well at that point if you hit something in the ham they would probably bring out a, a rifle if if they needed like, oh yeah, yeah the ph would go with the trackers and they would try to make sure to put that thing down as quickly and wow, ethically yeah. as they can see and that's, that's crazy but that's they it. would probably find it and wow. that's you know to me that makes total sense because you know for thousands uh and thousands of years well i don't want to try anyone so whatever you believe in but this is how these people and their ancestors have lived it's you've got a lot of animals moving through and you shoot one primitive technology you're not always going to make so i think maybe they have an advantage you know these things they can see that we can't see i mean you know there's 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 like musicians who if if musicians listen to music they hear one thing 
people who don't hear another thing. Yeah. People who live still on like hunting, you know, like killing animals, like where they're not in a slaughterhouse, they're going to see different things than uh, the weekend warriors like us see. Not saying I'm not putting any of us down. Yeah. It's, by it's, any means, it's but, a different ball game. But this is their livelihood, and mentally, this is how they have to live. So, I mean, I I, I get that. Well, one what, thing what raises I, I just and this is going to be kind of off track, but what raises a question to me is: you remember when that Cecil the Lion thing happened? How they tracked him for a couple days? I'm starting to think because of how good these trackers are. I'm starting to question, and I always did before, but the guy who shot it, I'm wondering how bad of a shot that was now <laughs> that you had to track a lion that far when dude i mean there's yeah. a lot that can play into a certain factor in a hunt and, 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 like and i get hunt. it i get it but i know you know you're generalizing back I'm, to what you're saying about what they can see uh for instance i shot my impala and my arrow zipped through it so fast you're actually in a hide that is somewhat mm-hmm. below ground you're like probably I don't know, up to your knees or mid thighs underground. Oh, really? So you're almost shooting, not really up, but pretty much dead level with their vitals. So I shot it, and my arrow zipped through it so fast. So we was out looking for my arrow for probably 10 or 15 minutes while we're waiting for the trackers. Uh-huh. We got there and showed him where we shot it, and and he says, uh, where's the arrow? We didn't know. We said, we're still looking for it. it, it within a minute, he walked to the arrow, and he, it was 75 yards away. Which we were all thinking it should be a lot closer than that. And we're looking, trying to find blood. He looked at something on the ground. He kind of gets a line and walked straight to it. What? Yeah. I mean, it was like it was. He just knew where it was at. He wasn't even there for the shot. Dude, holy shit! You know what? I I just like he like got some kind of like like something from the fletching made a line in the ground after it whipped through the deer or I I seventy five yards though too. That's impressive too. How far was that shot? Uh, like twenty three yards, I think Jesus. it was. So. Wow! Here's yeah, that's he, awesome. Actually, I've got it was a viper trick. It just it zipped through him like nothing. <laughs> Dude, I've got a I've got a I've got a business plan. I'm I'm gonna say something stupid and then I'm gonna ask a serious question. But I think I'm gonna <laughs> thank you get some of these trackers and then uh, open my own business to help track d- wounded deer. Yeah, and we're just gonna ride around. They're gonna still gonna probably, have that stupid. They wouldn't be any le- good in the in like in oh the bullshit. I bet. That's what I wondered if they would if you brought them and dropped them here if they would be better I than us bet. still. I bet because I going would back say to no. What I, originally said. I would say no. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my argument sucks here, and I kind of realize it as I'm going on. But I would say it's just it's different. Yeah, it's different climate. It's different. Like they don't have oak trees in Africa. Yeah, yeah whatever, dude. This dude it's found just, an arrow 75 yards away. Man. Well, I mean, but, it's different though. What they're looking at too is not everybody wants to look for just blood or just scuff marks or something but they were seeing something that wasn't there i even had to ask a couple i said what are they looking at right right and it wasn't just me there was uh, a few of the guys that were in camp with us they said have you ever seen anybody that can track like this I said no absolutely not and one guy said i think i've hunted with the best trackers in north america and he said they wouldn't hold a candle to these guys i would yeah. love to just like pick apart one of those guys brain like if, if you got a couple that spoke english yeah, they and didn't just, very well. That's that was the hard part is you didn't really even know so what you couldn't they were ask saying. them like, like well, deep well, it was questions. Hand signals. They yeah, but do still, this little they, thing and just they probably speak like six, seven languages: French, Swahili. Probably I, I don't know what part of Africa you were in, yeah. but yeah, you, they typically, actually did. Most of them had, were at least bilingual. See, yeah, but well, I, like I would agree. Like I feel like I've hunted with some guys that are, some, you know, up there within some of the best blood trackers and and found some blood and sign. I'm like, whoa. 
but it's like I need to experience this African tracking thing like firsthand because oh, that just so blows cool. my mind. That was one of my favorite things just to watch them work. Um, that's yeah, that is the animals awesome. in general. Just the the amount of animals. That's what made it fun. You sit. We tried spotting and stalking. I don't know if Larry covered that as much in his, but we mm-hmm. tried that for a day, thinking well, we're we're going to do this <laughs> different than everybody else. But we, we got kind of humbled pretty quick because spotting and stalking in the desert is not that easy, especially when there's that many eyes. Well, then they live with lions. Yeah, well, when <laughs> yeah. we were at, it was there was not very many lions where we oh, were really? at. I mean, they said it was super rare to ever see a lion. There are leopards where we were at. Oh, really? How did the we... DNR let some with a collar go, and then <laughs> yeah. someone shot it, and well, the DNR showed up on their farm? You know, the here's story. what I want to do. I want, I do want to talk more about Africa. I wonder if we can. Uh, maybe after November, do a yeah. whole podcast on Africa hunting. Oh, I just yeah. hey, can I ask one more? I want to ask a serious question. Yeah, because I said I get to it. Um, when you went over there, because you said you shot with a Viper trick, mm-hmm. um, that's the fixed blade, right? Right. Um, was there any rules like that? That I'm, I'm just curious about. Did you have to shoot a certain poundage? Uh, did you have to have fixed blades, or no, was it the, just preference? They they checked over our equipment when we got there, and I don't know what they would have. Um, said as far as if you showed up with a 40 pound bow or or whatever but everything we had checked out fine they but they wanted to see that and they also wanted to see a shoot so they sat there and watched us shoot the first several rounds to make sure i think so the guides knew kind of what what they needed to be watching for and were they what kind of setups they needed uh, we all shot pretty well, so they. The nice thing was, is after we got done, they were all asking about our equipment and wanted to get. They wanted to get yeah. the same stuff we had, so that was kind of. Larry flat. said his pH wanted that because he took the uh, enlist. Yeah, it's the enlist over there, mm-hmm. and he said that pH wanted it in a bad way. Oh yeah, I hope Larry sent him one. Yeah, I think I think they all ended up getting one that was that's oh, really? awesome we, that we cool. kind of talked of how we were going to tip them and that's kind of what we worked on is getting that's cool getting them some equipment and, that's uh, cool you know what i saw t- talk about the enlist i saw that the enlist is going to be in cabela's, cabela's canada oh yeah and uh i think it's the list in the impulse 31 right that is awesome you know what i love about that most is people now in the general uh, how do i say this without getting in trouble People that aren't real dedicated to bow hunting that are going to dabble now have the selection of a legitimate, great-feeling shooting bow that they probably didn't have before. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what I love about that. Like, I saw that. I'm like, that is great because people are going to know, like, you're going to shoot a so-and-so Brandon bow, and you're going to be like, ugh. And then you're going to pick up that Elite and feel just the the good back wall and the valley and just feel the silky smoothness of it and go... Okay, that is comfortable. That fits me. I like that. And and it's going to educate bow hunters as a whole now. We have a better chance at that. Yeah. Have you have you shot that enlist yet? I shot Larry's over there. What it do you was, think about it? It's super nice. Really, uh, what you're missing from the run-of-the-mill elites, I guess, from, from the higher-end bows, I should say, is very little. It's almost non-noticeable stuff, but it's just the little differences in the machining and Right. That's what I was looking at. The is color it just... options, stuff like that. But it's still just a super nice bow. I mean, it, the feel is, is to me, the same. Is it a cast riser? Or do you know? I'm, I no, guess it's, I'm all, it's all machine. Machine? Yeah. I want one of your fancy beers, Steve. Yeah, I was trying to give you this. Uh, this is from yeah, yeah. Pause for the Cause. The the Great Divide Barley Wine Style Ale, the Old Ruffian. Thank you, Drew Booth. Uh, 
I want a fresh one, and not one that your dirty ass mouth have, has been on. What do I have here? I have. Oh, you know what? I'll give you. Sure. I'll give you. I'll give you this. Why are you like being? You're being stingy with your beers. Just oh, give me shut it! Because I don't even. Uh, I, you have to share this because like the, I think this is the last one that. Look at I all get. I've done for you. I don't care what it is. You're going to have to share that with Clark, the breakfast stout, <laughs> no, not I'm the Kentucky good. breakfast. You got to try Bush that. Latte over What's here? What's the other I'm one? Still good. Uh, no, you want that one because this is the winner. This is give me uh, a Bush Light. Stone here. serving. Give me a Bush Light. We Just got drink shit. that. Drink that. Okay. Whatever. Drink okay. That. So okay. I, I do want to cover more about Africa. Yeah, we can uh, talk about podcast. that. Yeah, we'll get into whitetail stuff. Or... What's a, yeah? Since because that's hopping right now. Yeah, and yeah. it's about ready to pick up. I put my I know, vacation. I want to talk about your moose hunt too, but maybe maybe we can do that at a later time. We uh, Africa took up more time than I thought. Yeah, it's um, you could talk for a whole episode, even though you guys already did with Larry. But I, but I, I, there's so much that our listeners don't know and that we don't know that it, I want to know more about. Maybe when you get your taxidermy back, we should all get yeah. together. Maybe we come to your place and we'll like have it there and then podcast about yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. If you're cool with that. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. That way we can look at it and talk about just like the uniqueness of each critter and yeah. then break them down and talk about each hunt individually or something like that. And Heck, maybe we can video it for respect to the game. Yeah, that'd be fun. We should do this. Well, we let's, this. let's let's transition to whitetails. All right. I'm curious. Have you been out a lot this season yet? I have not. No, we the weather the weather sucks. Yeah. We've had like four good days. Yeah, and they seem to hit during the week most of the time. We, <laughs> we've had terrible weekends, and it's Dude, just it, been busy in in general. So it's like a Tuesday will be like this last Tuesday, cold front moving in, and all of a sudden it's like man, it's like fifty four degrees, fifty degrees dropping to four, and then all of a sudden the weekend high of eighty four. Yeah, like you know, it and just I, it I sucks hate forcing it. I know Matt's been dying to go and. And I am too, but at the same time, just I don't want to burn out my areas, and uh, I generally don't hunt a lot of October mornings. I usually try to stick more to the evenings, mm-hmm. and it just seems like the evenings have just not been that well when I can hunt. There's been some days I would have loved to have gone, but I just I was at work and see. But, I had the same mindset, Clark, about like kind of staying out of there in early October mornings. And this new farm that I got, I have trocams out, and deer were showing up like seven a.m. like yeah. daylight, like you know, within an hour or two, and I'm like. I think that's worth hunting. Yeah. And normally I wouldn't do that. I'd take my time and sleep in, but I've been kind of hitting it hard and it's almost like I regret it because I yeah. haven't seen any of those deer. Um, but it's always during the week when I'm getting trail cam pictures. So yeah. I probably did more harm than good. Well, it's probably moving through those cold fronts. It seems like that's, yeah, that's what we've been kind of noticing on our cameras. It's been, we've had really slow movement, uh, through October. It's really picked up in the last few days. Yeah. Well, I agree. What, the 25th today. Yeah, it's a cold front. Yeah, today's the 26th. It was the hottest day today because it got up to 69. And I'll check my cell cam right now as we're talking. Yeah, tomorrow it's supposed to be chilly, right? Mm -hmm. But this weekend, uh, they're thinking possibly snow. Like, it's not going to be sticking snow, but their guess is that first frost is going to be frost. I didn't hear the T when I said it. Uh, That first frost is probably going to be sunday sunday night and there was ice on the windows in knoxville this morning was there really yeah we had I mean, wow. just frost just a, a week little bit ago too yeah we had some we got up uh the one one day we didn't get up we, we went hunting one morning and it was uh it was there was some frost on our windows one day that we did get up and get yeah up. what do you, it's so encouraging when you see that too You're like, oh yeah it's crispy you, feel good. you know i i i i put a post out on twitter that uh I happen to see this lady, so you can always tell who's a hunter and who's not on your Facebook. If you took, like, a blank Facebook and you took the day, you know, say it's, like, October 
15th, and you just knew the weather. You knew what the weather was going to be October 15th. The people who are excited are deer hunters. The people who are, like, pissed off that you might see the first, like, we're going to see yeah. the first snow. And I just remember seeing, like, some lady was like, no, this is total bullshit. I'm not ready for <laughs> snow yet or frost. I'm not ready to turn my furnace on. And I go, that lady does not hunt because everybody that I know that saw that, I started getting, like, messages on my inbox, on my Snapchat it was like, did you hear that frost is coming? Like, excited. Yeah. And it's just, then you see, like, people like, did you hear that frost is coming? It sucks. Yeah. It's, that, just, it's, it's so weird how the dynamic works, but it's so funny at the same time. Yeah. So now, cutting Steve off, we're up to the, Don't 20th, worry, I was the 26th of October. Can, In your opinion, Clark, where do you think we're at now within deer movement and within this next week? Until we put out our next episode, what's going to be happening? And do you think, I mean, it's always from your experience on your ground. It's not the final word, obviously. So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see more daylight activity out of your bucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've got a lot of trail cam pictures of bucks, I would definitely hunt those right now. You start hunting mornings at this point, probably. Um, depending on the situation, I would. Okay, but, but yeah, I am. Let's be break. Can we break down? Yeah, a situation? let me let me yeah. and, 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 let me use my situation. May yeah. I? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're easier. I want to let him rip. I want to let it. This is his time. Well, I want to ask about mine, and I want to get his opinion on it. Is that fine, Curtis? Break down a situation that w- would make you want to hunt a morning. All right. If I was hunting an area, uh, let's say I had a small, thick draw that had a a, a buck that was showing up in the daylight on mm-hmm. trail camera. Okay. And I felt like he's in there and he's coming back in every morning. This is about the time of year that I'm going to start hunting those deer. Uh, now, if I'm hunting deer that are generally feeding in the field every evening, I'm not going to go in that spot in the morning. I'm going to wait because the evening I think is still for the next week, probably your best bet to kill those, those deer on feed areas or a doe feeding area. Right. Right. Uh, because basically, they're slaves to their stomach still. They're not on that chasing and seeking mm. phase. They're not abandoning hunger for the old, yeah. the good. And they're kind of still in them same home <laughs> the areas. <goods>. Yeah. <laughs> right. The right. good stuff. Kept her the, clean. Kept her clean. Yeah, you yeah. did. <laughs> what uh what what types of food plots are are you still like given this situation where we've had a bit of a warmer um early season? You know, it's starting to get to the point where you're starting to see some deer with some well, thicker said, necks where, and where the does are, really. Where yeah. the does are. So where, what food sources are you hunting? I think right now the the two that I would target the most would be if, if you've got a green food plot or mm-hmm. a fresh-cut cornfield. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where the does seem to be right now. Uh, I always like green through October, um, even into early to mid-November. But And then I once it really gets cold, I like the shift to green. But... Is it because the deer just crave proteins in the grain, or, or I think I honestly think it's almost like some physiological thing where they they know that they're about done with green, so it's like they kind of uh, binge on some of that stuff. And I don't know, maybe this is not true, but I like I would think that like the grains are more like wholesome for warmth. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Like, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it's I, I, I get that. Yeah. That's just yeah, what so. that makes sense though. If you break it down, and think about it. So this weekend when I get out, I'm going to focus on a doe traffic area. I don't. I don't necessarily. It's outside of a doe bedding area. Yeah. In the evening, would um, 
So let me break down my situation then, and I'll, and I'll see. I hung a stand that's along a creek in a pinch outside of a – it's on the corner of two, of the pinch of two bean fields, and it separates the two bean fields, and it's like a draw that runs north-south from a creek that runs east-west. Does that make sense? Yeah. I feel like I explained that kind of messed up. Yeah, um, yeah I get you. I, I get saw you. 10 does there last weekend. I shot one of them. Um, I went in, got her out of there. I haven't hunted since. And I'm thinking about trying to walk through the beans to get there Saturday morning. Would that be a bad idea, do you think? Because I will say the week before, I saw I have like an observation stand that's north of that bean field, and I could see down into that bean field. Mm -hmm. And I saw a good buck make a scrape and walk out in the middle of that bean field. He was like an hour after daylight. Yeah. Would you not walk into those beans, you think, in the morning, knowing that that deer could be somewhere in that area? I've got certain ways I do that. Sometimes I always love to be in a stand if I if I can access that stand as it's getting light. I mean, I want to be set up and ready right when I can first shoot. But sometimes if I feel like I'm crossing an active feed area and it's the only option to get in, I'll actually wait till I have just a little dusky light. Like you can't even see it that good with your eyes, but when you pull up your binos... You can kind of glass oh, the field, yeah, yeah. and I'll no, try to no headlamp. Just get yeah, no it. headlamp. I'll just try to clear the field with my binos, and when I head across that thing, I try to do it quick. I mean, you still want to be quiet, but at any time they could be moving back into that field. So I'll try to glass it first. Okay, if that's the only way in, if I can access it from some back door entrance or or through some a creek or yeah. ravine, I will. See, the creek is there, and that's the only thing I could think about. While I was sitting there, and I saw just doe after doe pile into that area and i'm looking at that creek i'm like it just gets too deep in certain spots to walk yeah. through so i immediately thought like how could i get there's a public road there I'm like, how could i get a, a kayak in there but the deer i was amazed to find i also hunted on an 80 degree day so maybe my circumstances are different i was amazed to find all the deer splashing through the creek yeah i had never hunted anything like that before so i've never had, had seen deer do that yeah, and they love yeah. it. <laughs> you know, but, I, I I remember uh, Ross was talking about it. Your uh, the other half of the Mile Tying Club. <laughs> I don't think I, I forgot. No, but uh, him and I, I think it was Bill Buck, Buckingham. Uh, they talked about when they go to hunt, and it was like November like twelfth, and they're like, "Yeah, we're going in the stand at nine in the morning." And I think, well, Ross was, I think Bill was like, hey, we wait till it's light so we can see in the field. Kind of same situation, but he waits till light. And no, this, this is from memory. Yeah. But I believe he said that, you know, they wait till they can see what's in the field to be able to get in and kind of hunt that, not afternoon, but just before afternoon, you know, where some things could be happening. And, and to me, that was... You know, you always hear, all right, you know, you want to hunt mornings and afternoons, rut, hunt all day. But the way they go about things, and they get the job done. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on well, see, the aforementioned. Bill and I, Bill Buckingham, he's he's one of the members of Respect the Game, and, and uh, I've hunted with Bill quite a bit. We have similar theories, but, but then again, different. Like, he, he wants to wait until there's zero chance, or as close to zero chance. Like, I'll wait and I'll glass that field and try to buzz across there, slip right into my stand. But Bill, he'll actually wait till 9 or 10 in the morning to go in. Okay, so really? stay the rest I was of the correct day. on that, right? He'll, yeah, he'll skip okay. his morning hunt 
if he's got to cross a feeding area. If he says, I want to be in that stand, I mean, well, when I say 9 or 10, maybe it's 8.30, I don't know, but it's it's yeah. plenty after dark like or after daylight. And, and is that like now like that he'd do that, or is it like a week or two from now that he would um, start doing that? I would say a week, week or two from now he'll go, and he'll just stay for the day, him and his partner Jason. They'll 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 go sit the day, and, and it's from 8.30 on. They miss that really? that early morning. See, I hate to miss the early morning. That's what I was just thinking. I'm like, oh, it would pain me to miss that right when daylight's crisp and but clean. But he gets and it done, though. They do get it done, so you when can't argue shoot? with their success. When does he shoot most of his deer? Because I think I've only seen him hunt one or two times, and I, I, I don't know the guy. They um, shot. He shot one big one. I believe it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, shot a really big one a couple years ago, and then they've, they've shot some anywhere from – three o'clock in the afternoon on to dark and so that but they'll just sit it out but but they hardly ever sit their farm now they said if we had a different situation to get in but they they the farm that they have has big open fields at the road front and the only way to go across those fields is to bust out some deer that was my next question is you know is it they developed this particular way you know for for everyone listening yeah this if it works for you, it works for you. But I, I didn't know if he had developed that over years or he just knew this particular farm that well that he did that. I killed my buck last year at like 11 o'clock. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. But I was there for daylight, and I was there for like that crisp morning. And <laughs> I sat and I'm also not hunting a food source. I was hunting like a travel pinch uh, ravine, essentially. So... You know, that deer didn't get there until later. So yeah. I could have went in at, you know, whatever time. But I wasn't also wasn't walking through beans or corn and was mm-hmm. going to spook them out of a field. So maybe that's where I lucked out. But I uh, I don't know. I It'd be tough for me to miss it. That's why I'm thinking, like, I don't want to go in. I see what you're saying. Like, I could go in at, like, right when I'm seeing enough light where I could look down and glass with my binos where they're capturing enough light to see if there's a deer in the field. But it's just I feel like I could be in that stand – I mean, what's your opinion on this? If I went in an hour and a half before daylight and got in that early and maybe I went in and jumped a deer that early in the field, do you think it would really hurt me that bad going in that early in the morning and sitting for an hour and a half in the dark? That's one thing I've always kind of struggled with is is what's the right call. Because just the other night, for instance, I went out. I'm a UPS driver, and I hardly ever get off before dark at this time of year. The ups, well, I wanted to run my trail cameras. Right. So I thought, I'm just going to put on my headlamp, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to slip in where I don't feel like the deer are and get to my trail cameras. I wasn't going to check all of them, but I want a few of them that I thought I could get to. This is 10 o'clock at night, so I'm slipping in there. Mm-hmm. And I got all the way up on a couple different deer that were laying down, and they... They literally, I watched them stand up and feed with me standing there with a flashlight on my head. And it was like they just didn't really know what I was, and they weren't that alarmed by me. So you wonder right. if you're better off to go in pitch black and just yeah. move right by them. And, and they may move out of your way, but that's... But they won't run spooked yeah. and scared. See, I was wondering, too, so after I had shot this doe, I glassed the field... Um, I was getting down like right when like how you're saying it's it's fa- uh, it's like gray out right. like a dark gray where you can still see if you look through your binos you can still see outlines of stuff out in the beans or whatever and I saw one doe out and then I didn't realize that there was a doe up in front of me and I was walking out and I spooked her but I had my headlamp on yep and I did probably didn't 
Like, this is the thought that ran through my head. I didn't need to have my headlamp on, but I thought I would make less noise with it on walking through the beans, and there's, like, the locust pods that are there. Oh, yeah. Mm. And so I turned it on to walk quieter, but I was going to be more visible. And I thought nothing naturally that they're aware of walks through the woods with a light. Right. So do they think you're a piece of equipment more with a headlamp on rather than no headlamp on (laughs) just walking? Do you know what I mean? That's what I wondered. I mean, I literally... Just and I've I've ran into this before coon hunting as well, but mm-hmm. um, the other night, like I say, I I had that deer within fifteen twenty yards, two different deer. It was two different cameras. I ran across deer, and even though I was hoping I wouldn't, they were laying down. I walked up and I seen eyes. So I just kind of didn't act like a predator. I just kept kind of moving about, doing what I was doing, and they just stayed there and watched me. Pretty soon, they get up and kind of feed around, and I don't know. I thought I thought are they seeing this and just that light's bright and they're thinking well it's no different than a combine light right. out in the field they don't right. really know how close it is or <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know I what had, the right answer is on that i had to i would almost think the light is less harmful if you break well, it down because equipment does not like i work with combines for a living mm-hmm. yeah those combines don't scare critters like everyone thinks they I, do. No. Well, here's like the, i've but, seen coyotes chill and not want to leave an area and coyotes are some of the most skittish creatures yeah. out there yeah I had an interesting uh, encounter. Like I, I got down, I I told Kurt about this. So I I was hunting one uh, one afternoon. You know, I got out there, seen a couple deer, and I was like, okay, man, you know, this is this is cool. Uh, seen a big nanny. I, I didn't get a shot at her, but it got dark, and I got down, and it was right after work. So you know, I thought I had everything, and I get I get down, and you know. I'm, all the way down and i'm like you know my i i have this uh flashlight that goes on like my hat so it's it's one of those i i got it from i just saw the picture the other day it's uh oh it's one of the halo headhunter 600 oh, yeah, like one of those those. Six, yeah yeah but you get that little flashlight uh with it but it's cool because the clip goes like two different ways so it shoots one way and shoots the other way so i can put on my hat well the thing burned out like i got I got within like three feet from the ground and the thing burned out. I was like, oh, that sucks. So I get down and I'm like patting around. I'm like, I don't think I have an extra battery for this thing. So whatever. And I'm like, you know, getting all my stuff. I'm like, well, it's dark. I might as well just get all my stuff off. You know, I like to take my harness off when I walk out so I can be as quiet as possible. And, you know, I get all that stuff off. And then I was like, yeah, dude, it's really dark out. I'm like, it's... (laughs) You know, it's not like city dark where you can still see stuff. So I was there for probably, you know, three, four, five minutes. Pitch black. I pull my cell phone out. I turn that light on, and then there's deer probably 30 feet from me, and they bust out of there. And it scared the living shit out of me because I could hear every footstep they were doing. As soon as I turned that light on, they blew at me. And they they took off. There was a couple of them, and it scared the hell out of me because I was like, <laughs> they are super close. But, dude, again, if that light hadn't burned out, they probably would have seen me. Well, I, I figured they would have seen me climbing down that tree with that lamp on, you know, because I want to make sure I'm there. But, yeah, I, I, I was down there, and they must have just creeped up because I was right on a field edge. And yeah, they took off across that, and it scared the hell out of me. It's just as soon as I turned the light on, yeah, I think they they saw that there was an outline, and they got spooked. I mean, it probably 
was because it was so sudden. Yeah, that that, that might be. But yeah, man, I I didn't hear them the past like. You there's, know. there's a transition I want to make here. Um, we can run this episode a little longer. Yeah, if you yeah. guys are cool with that. Yeah, I'm there's fine. a lot we need to cover. Or Kurt that I want to cover. Kurt just peed, so he's good to go. I'm refresh. Yeah. I'm ready to <laughs> he's ride. He's good for an hour. <laughs> I'm good for another hour. I got a baby bladder. Atta boy. Um, two things that I feel like are important. Um, one scent, and I feel like maybe I'm wrong here. I feel like a lot of time with the rut, guys get excited and maybe scent control sort of goes out the window. Yeah, and I think that's a huge mistake because you're playing your odds. And to me, if you can put every single odd in your favor, the best to your ability, right? then you're better off. I mean, yeah, the wind is number one, and that's going to control everything. And then thermals are going to play a big factor in that, but... There's been so many times that I've had a wind that shifted, but the deer didn't catch me. And I feel that's because of the scent control. Right. And it's just like it it may not be a wrong wind, but it, it shifts all of a sudden. There's just factors that kind of come it's up. it's swirling for some swirls, reason that area yeah. on a certain gust or yeah, whatever. Or maybe. a deer might even just come in on your downwind side. So, And as long as he's just crossing through, if, if you don't smell terrible... He may miss that because he smells these things all the time for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. I, okay, I got a I got a good question for you, Clark. Well, I feel like, and it's something that I battle a lot. So, do you? Uh, all right, let me. Uh, this is going to be a loaded question here. Mm-hmm. So there we go. I'm kind of the guy where, like, I work tomorrow morning, so I'm going to shower, which I already showered tonight, with regular shampoo and body wash and i haven't put regular no but conditioner I but i don't always yeah. put regular deodorant on right. like i might wait because i haven't like done anything but been at the house but so like maybe in the morning i might put on lightly like some like old spice whatever regular deodorant yeah. in a deodorant i use secret and then i'll go hunting i'll, I'll use <laughs> if i don't have time to shower before i go hunting i'll wipe off with like some like scentless wipes or something my armpits uh-huh. and everything and go right. which might be the wrong thing to do but um when i use the scent eliminating deodorant as where there's like no perfume or no scent to it at all i feel like eventually i just reek like human body odor i agree um what's better is it better to i here's what i do just basically the the full rundown of what i do for my my scent control starting with my clothes i mean when i wash my clothes i usually wash at least two loads of towels or or blue jeans or something in non-scented detergent just to try to kind of clean flush. up the yeah flush the system the washer and dryer do you have a that. front load uh <laughs> i have a top load okay top okay i have yeah. a front load and it's the worst yeah this, yeah. I, this is news to is me it? i've never in my life uh nor have my parents ever they had reek. a front load yeah. I, I didn't know that was a thing <laughs> why is that funny a, i don't know it's just a random question i like it <laughs> well it's, uh, well because when no. people say that water gets stale i and battle stagnant. it well i battle it do you i do it's yeah well i've I, never uh, had one so i probably if don't you that. wash yeah. clothes like your hunting clothes which i i don't have an uh the scent crusher wash 03 it, i dan i need to wash 03 for my front load <laughs> but if i wash my hunting clothes or say a load of towels or something it's like when that buzzer rings, bing, 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 that it's done washing, you pull them out immediately and throw it in the dryer, and then you leave the front load door open because it'll get, like, musty smell. you got to oh, let really? that air out because yeah. the water sits. Yeah, that would make me mad. I don't know where it yeah. sits, but I've heard, like, I have an older one, but I've heard people that have brand-new, high-efficiency, well, they're like, oh, no, it's all front loads. No matter what yeah. you do, you can get the extra perfume to help 
it stinks like musty water if you don't get your clothes out of there right away. Well, I thought we just got a steam question, but that was that was legitimate. No, that was legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all right, fine. Well, yeah. you know, so, speaking of no, honey, you don't you have make a up front wheel drive station wagon now. Yeah. <laughs> totally legit. Totally legit. So, have so, wood so basically, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to clean. I'm going to flush that system. Then I'm going to I'm going to wash my clothes and and dry them, and immediately someone's phone's going off. Matt. Oh, that's me. Oh, Clark. Yeah, that's me. So, <laughs> Who is it? Answer <laughs> it. <laughs> so my my first thing I'm going to do as soon as they're done drying is take them outside. I'm not going to mess around in the house. They go straight outside. Okay. Because I don't want them picking up the smell of tonight's spaghetti or anything else. I mean, right. As fast as I can get them outside, they're outside. Then I'll go through them, put them in my, my container, which my, my tub I have has usually got a uh, – like a those giant Ziploc bags, I'll fill some up with some leaves. Right, right. Just to give, give it the outdoor give it the smell. woodsy smell. Yeah, and it keeps the leaves off your clothes. So I'll put that in there, poke a few holes in it. It stays in that tub, and I don't rewash my clothes until I feel like there's a reason to. If I get yeah. sweaty or like I hang I was, a lot of stands, and that's normally when I'll like I use the the, the sick crusher. I know you guys are big on Ozonix, mm-hmm. um, which both great products. But I like if I get super sweaty. I'll just ozone it, yeah, a cycle or two. But if I feel like I'm dirty, then I'll like muddy, yeah. Then I'll wash it, yeah. That's see, we use uh, the same same basic system. We'll we'll use those ozonics and kind of freshen it, just same as you use the scent crusher. Just kind of yep. put them in the closet, freshen them up without having to go through cycles where you're worried about basically making your clothes fade, yeah, and then. To me, too, unless you go through that whole cycle, I always worry that there's still a little fabric softener, a little something. So I, I make sure that I've kind of got everything cleaned out. Mm-hmm. And once I get to that point, if I haven't sweated in my clothes or been exposed to some outside odor, as soon as I take them off, they either get hung up outside for the day or they go back in that, that tub before they never go in the house. I don't go inside. I don't go inside restaurants. Right. Nothing. I mean, all year long, that's the way I do. Um, so you're, as, you're a little stricter with that because, like, I like some, one of my properties is a, a longer drive. I'll wear my hunting clothes in my truck, and I, I do have ozone, like the ozone go and units like that yeah. that I'll run in my truck. But um, you you're taking it to a little further level, which I should probably do too, and every hunter should. But it's uh it's the more convenient thing to get back in your truck and drive home, well, and then take your clothes off. And I you generally know, but, only shed my outer layer before okay. I come home. But my truck, I don't smoke, and I try not to have anything stinky or eat fast yeah. food or in so there. no mcrib so, yeah no mcribs during the hunting season. season and i just <laughs> i try to try to avoid all that so but it's usually my outer later go, goes in the box i didn't really elaborate on that but yeah um that, that makes sense right out at the field same as my boots i'll wear a, a pair of flip-flops or something and my boots go on there they never go into the gas station into the rest that's something i've started doing was i got a camo i bought a carbon pair of flip-flops and do you wear rubber boots like knee-high rubber boots when you hunt or most of the time i do have some uh boots made by danner and they're they're just standard hunting hiking style boots just lace up yeah style boots that's about uh tj unger our good buddy he's Mm -hmm. all about those danners that philip vanderpool those are they're awesome i'm planning an elk hunt for this coming september so i'm gonna have to get some good like Oh, shout out to yeah. shout out to Liz Unger too because she wears Danner boots. But <laughs> are those comfy? 
Yeah, they're very comfy. I Do you remember the now. Danner commercial? This is random, and we'll, we'll move on. Of Michael Waddell throwing them up and shooting the not the Danner boots, but he's shooting the other boots, and then he like puts I don't know he puts on Danner boots. <laughs> I never seen. He's that. shooting like clay, like you know, like he's shooting trap. Yeah, but he's shooting shitty boots. <laughs> shooting, yeah, I think yeah. it was a Danner commercial. I might yeah, be wrong, yeah. but Clark, no Danner. Need... I I'm really impressed with those. Their socks are another thing. I've got got some Danner socks that are they suck. Okay, well, I want to talk about awesome. that now. There's I. Clark, you're branching. My brain is expanding as we go on. Maybe it's a beer. But uh, his brain okay, swelling. I, I was listening a little bit of he like Meat Eater podcast today. Socks. Mm-hmm. They were talking about. Yes. They just kept bitching about cotton material. Yeah. It, and they kept saying wool is the way to go. Yep. That's, it, we've got three different levels of, of wool, and one's a super light, mm-hmm. and the other's just a little heavier, and then you got your thicker ones. Uh, What's the difference? Like, what were they bitching about? By the they way, just they just went in the moisture. moisture. You know how sometimes oh, you just okay. you feel in in your cotton socks like your feet are sweaty or so yeah. on. These things, your feet just never feel that way. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, I love these socks. I I personally was never a big sock guy. And, and those are all Danner brand socks. Yeah, these were Danner, and and they actually sent them with my boots. Really? And I thought, well, I'll try them. And uh, man, I love those things. I'm going to order a bunch of them. I they were saying, um, like Steve was saying, if you got to cross like a like a, a high flowing creek or a stream that's got a lot of water in it and it's rocks, they said have two pairs of wool socks with you. One you always keep dry, and then if you have to cross a creek or something like that, take your boots off, throw them on your pack, and put those socks on and walk through the creek with them. Because it's on slick rocks, they said it's like you, you're super grippy on them, and then all you do is you hang those socks up and they'll dry out really fast. Really? Yeah, that makes sense. Here's, Which is, I, that blew my mind because getting them like full-blown submerged in water is, is crazy. I would yeah. never do that, I would think, in the bush. like Here's yeah. what, here, here's what I, I want to put my two cents into this. Um, you, you know, and you're, you're more for it because you're going on elk hunt, so you need to learn – I have, dude. I'm a complete rookie. I'm gonna get my ass kicked. This is this is the shit that you need to pay attention to. Uh, Shout or, out Jeremy Mayer or M- Meyer, uh, Buck Jeremy Mayner. Yeah, um, <laughs> we butcher his last name all the time. What uh, what I've noticed from you know, we're for the most part whitetail hunting. You're sitting there. Your feet are gonna get colder than shit. I've got a pair of Cabela's boots that are the insulate the whatever 3M. Whatever, but if you're sitting around there, your feet are going to get cold. Your toes are going to kill you on cold days. I finally broke down after like this. This was happening, and you know, it was like, ah, wear layers. I bought like one pair of those like big thick ass wool socks. I was like, ah, these aren't doing the job. What I did is somebody goes, hey, get a pair of these alpaca socks. They're going to change your life, and I was like, yeah, I don't think so. Because they were thin. They were like thinner than hell. They were thinner than any socks I ever got. And I was like, whatever. They're like, put a pair of regular socks on, put a pair of these alpaca socks on, and go out there. And Where'd I remember you get alpaca there. socks at? I got them from a local... Brazilian? A, or? No, it was a local shop because <laughs> they had an uh, alpaca farm at the time. I got them in downtown Silvis. <laughs> and, uh, no, seriously, dude. I, I, it, Silvis, Illinois, if you've ever been there, you get that joke. <laughs> yeah, you also got food served to you in a restaurant on a paper plate. <laughs> Best food you ever ate. But that's how you know the food's going to be good. When you go to a legitimate restaurant and you get a foam plate. <laughs> I'm, I'm stepping but, past whatever you so, were talking about. No, right I'm now. telling you, that alpaca sock. So I, I had, like, a regular sock on and then that alpaca. And, dude... 
my feet were like at the point where I was like, dude, my feet are actually kind of hot. This actually worked. Now, I I, I didn't want to just go straight alpaca because it'd be itchy. But if you take a regular sock and an alpaca straight sock alpaca. and you put it on over you, so you got two layers, dude. I'm telling you, so my it's basically fat- wicking the moisture. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the way the wool works too. Yeah, my fat it's probably foot close to the same worked. type of. I'm yeah. guessing so. Alpaca is probably a little more expensive because it's not as accessible as sheep is. But I mean, that worked for me. If it works for you, cool. If not, then it's just something that works for me. Yeah, if you can keep your feet dry, they'll you, stay warm way longer. Yeah. So what, what are you writing um, down, Kurt? Every time I, I say I'm something taking stupid, notes. I take no. I'm taking notes. Every time Clark. I say something, you write something down. I have great notes from here from Clark. I'm I'm actually I'm being productive here. I'm, I have a good amount of notes. <laughs> I do. Look at yeah, he does. That's probably why you killed so, bigger deer than me. All I right. did. Yeah, that's why I committed. So um, back to the scent control <laughs> yes, thing, thanks, yeah. Clark. So, so we got our we got you pretty much figure out how we take care of our clothing naturally mm-hmm. you keep the inside of your truck as clean as you can because yep. you're going to be sitting in there at some point uh but then as far as my body hygiene what i do some people i've heard people say don't brush your teeth because it's going to smell like toothpaste which is insane because yeah. the bacteria causes the smell so you need to get that cleaned out as good as you can i need to pause you right there yeah. they have I'll, dead downwind has, i have it has, i have it but i want to i want to keep going you got the toothpaste i have it yes <laughs> and I, i've used it i feel like personally and i'm sorry clark that he cut you off and now that i'm cutting you off i feel like it's better to brush your teeth with whatever scent you have yeah absolutely because you, really rinse your mouth really good hmm. and then go eat an apple or something and I do that in that morning. Yeah, it's going to be that smell's going to be gone far worse that or far easier than your morning breath. You go out there with morning breath and that's it's going to be bad. So I mean, dude, isn't that not a gimmick that like having the the, the toothpaste because if you think about it, if you use mouthwash and it kills bacteria and bacteria is what causes odor. Well, one thing I want to point out too quick. Say you say you think you don't brush your teeth or maybe you do brush your teeth. I brush my teeth every morning because you can tell your own breath stinks when you wake up. Yeah, yes. Exactly. You would never like go like you never wake up and then go kiss the girl of your dreams. Yeah. Like I do you never every morning. Uh, I don't know yeah. about you. You're a different type of hygiene now, I guess. But <laughs> like Kurt's married doesn't kiss yeah. the girl of his I, dreams every morning. I'll brush my teeth with like whatever <laughs> mint, regular fluoride, whatever. And then I will eat an apple on my way. And that's not because I plan that out. It's because I'm lazy and I just grab an apple on the oh, way okay. to stand. Yeah. But I feel like an apple does clean your teeth. It does. And uh, so I think that's awesome. Um, oh, shit. I was going to bring so, something that's up. That's nuts, I dude. I, I didn't know you got that. So is that toothpaste just not good? I don't use it. I, I, it's, I haven't used it. I just don't think it's as effective. Because that's I feel that's like, the problem is some of these soaps, there's, there's some good ones. But there's yeah. also some that I think, yeah, they're unscented, but do they really clean you? Same as the toothpaste. Does it do the job? Right. Uh, killing the bacteria. See, so like what it would needs. you do? Hey. Would, would you put on the scented, light, the scented deodorant or, or take the risk of smelling like human body odor? Uh, for years, I'll tell you what I did is uh, I used just unscented ivory soap, and then I just really rinsed well. Because I felt like the ivory soap worked better than anything else. Like, right. I, yeah. I still didn't feel like I smelled, but it actually, it's a soap company and it's good antimicrobial soap. Yeah. And, right. And you're, you feel like you're clean afterwards and your skin doesn't dry out so bad. You know um, what? I, I, I want to say I, what I did to ch- make that change because yeah. I would find, I would buy like the scent killer deodorant or the scent blocker deodorant or whatever it might be in the honey. Now I'd buy it cause it was there and I bought the soap and I used the laundry detergent and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a sucker to the market. So what I do is like, I'll put that on, 
And then I'm in the stand and I'm like, I never find myself like, I, I don't feel like I'm a super stinky person. Like, but like sometimes I'm in the stand and you hang a stand or you hike in and you had a long walk cause you know, or whatever and you get in there and I'm like, yeah. Oh, I kind of, I can smell myself. Yeah, like, like, is that me? If I can smell myself like that, deer are smelling me like yeah, that. Exactly. What I have found, and I don't know if our listeners can agree or disagree, or if you have a solution, go ahead and send it in and I'll send it over to Clark and we can, we can talk about it. But, uh, um, nose jammer, mm-hmm. their stuff has a very slight vanilla hint to it. Mm-hmm. And it's just slight enough. It's not overpowering and it's supposed to, they say deer are interested in the smell of vanilla and there, we can break, we can do a whole episode on that. Like, have right. you heard that before? Yeah. And it has a, I, I have the soap. I can get it. I have the deodorant stick too. So I use the nose jammer deodorant and I'm, we're not endorsed by them at all. I just want to clarify. It's just a product I've found that I feel is more. Now until they come up with nose jammer chocolate and then nose jammer swirl, then we will be. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll put the nose jammer deodorant on. It has like a slight vanilla hint to it. And yeah. I find that that fights back my, my sweaty smell. If I got to hike in or hang a stand and I smell that it's a very mild vanilla smell. And then their shampoo and deodorant. It's like an all in one body wash deal. It's yeah. the same way. And I feel like, if I just shower with the old green scent killer, no scent, scent eliminating, I feel like I can smell myself. Yeah, or that's like, the way I always felt. Um, or if you have a recently, beard, like you smell musty in your yeah, beard. You yeah, know? Like, oh, absolutely. See, I I use, uh, for years I just used Sure, uh, Sure deodorant unscented because I felt like at the end of the day I could smell myself and it didn't smell but with some of the other cheaper stuff or hunter based stuff, not cheaper for sure, right. usually twice as much. But it would, it would, I would smell bad. I was like, "What the heck? This stuff isn't working at all." Yeah, but yeah. This year or last year, I guess it was. Um, I got introduced to Lethal. Actually, Larry McCoy set me up with some Lethal stuff, and we we're just watching their uh, their video. Yeah, they've got they've got some legitimate products. I mean, I used their their hair and body stuff last year. Really liked it. Um, does it have any like. sort of scent or anything to no, it? No, there's no scent at all. Um, their field spray is awesome. I mean, I, I really love that stuff. Um, their bug spray is it's, it's <laughs> the real deal. It's it's the only bug spray that I've actually used that doesn't. It you can smell a hint, but it's not like any other bug spray. But they're the only I people who have a cooler spray, spray too. The cooler spray works incredible. It's called that's Cooler nuts. Reviver. That's the, yeah. That's, keeps yeah. some mold out. I'm sitting or there what? thinking, I don't know, but I had this cooler that me and Matt left fish in, <laughs> and uh, we was cleaning that out. I said, go get that stuff. And and some of that stuff you get it, and you think, I don't know if it's a gimmick or not. I sprayed that. That stuff was incredible. That thing really? smelled fresh. It smelled almost like that brand new, like you open a brand new cooler. Could like that, that work for your like, front end loader or for your front end? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it might. Maybe they need wild. washing machine reviver. I don't know. But <laughs> they, no, I've, they've got they've got laundry detergent. The whole works. I've I've been super impressed with Lethal's it's products. Lethal. Okay. Yeah, I, I've always heard white. of Lethal. I knew it was yeah. like part of the outdoor group deal, or maybe it's well, not. They, they sponsor us, um, and I'm not saying this because they sponsor us because I I believe in their product. I honestly right. do. It's just it's a great product. Um, I'm that, gonna check it out then. And, yeah, and try lethal that. products. Like I say, that field spray. Um, they've got one that smells like dirt. I just use the plain one, but it's a, it's got a texture to it that it's a, almost a soapy feel when you spray okay. it on. You right. actually you put a an additive into it to yeah, activate where, yeah, it. Yeah, like, they have yeah. that where it's like it's clipped onto that, and then, and then you pull the uh, thing off, and then you 
Yeah, you dump it in, and it, yeah. it, it gives okay. it like a soapy feel, but it dries clean, but it's like a, a almost a film, so it bonds better. Ah, see, you like you feel like it works, too, which gives yeah. you confidence. That's a key to a lot of the yeah. equipment. There so was this... what's your opinion, though, Clark? I want to oh, – sorry, Steve, to cut you off. No, you're but, good. You're good. Like, uh, this is a battle I find a lot with a lot of the uh, – and this is my take on it. I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to think of how to explain this. The casual bow hunter to the guy that's real, like us, are, are pretty serious about it. Is the guy that's casual? I feel like always has like the earth scented wafers, the earth scented spray, the earth scented this. And yeah. maybe I'm just, I'm super generalizing. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Yeah. But I go. Excuse my language. Fuck anything earth scented. Yeah. yeah. Because I, yeah, it I'm smells like dirt. Way. But I've and never it, smelt dirt that strong. If yeah. I may, that earth. Scent smells a little flat to me. (laughs) What do you think? My opinion is I want to smell like nothing. I don't use cover scents. Um, There's very few times where I will use a scent. I use scents a lot in mock scrapes. When I'm building a mock scrape, yeah, I'll use use deer urine. Um, There's a lot of different products I'll use for making mock scrapes. I've never tried WinPro. I'm a fan. I'm a I'm a fan too. I put uh, Dominant Buck on that. Uh, I've got some pictures I'll show you, and I I put it on the the scrape and the uh, the the branch, the licking branch that hangs down. Mm-hmm. It's synthetic, but dude, I'm I'm seeing some good deer come around it. It's synthetic, but he um, David David Healy David Healy claims that it's never spooked a deer that to their knowledge, and he's just got. Hundreds of hours of trail cam footage of deer making scrapes on his yeah, be cool. It's cool. So, I mean, he made a he made a a licking branch that you can strap to something to where it hangs oh, really? down, and then you can use that to like encourage scrape activity. That sounds pretty. It, cool. It's a pretty cool setup. Like, I'll have to uh, I'll have to hook you up with David and, yeah. and have you guys talk because it's it's cool shit. That like, would be neat. I need to get some of the dominant buck stuff because I was wanting to make some mock scrapes next to the other scrapes that I saw that buck. Made. I have some in my truck. Do you want it? Yes, I will give it to you. Yes, I need it. We've um, been experimenting with. There's a, a product called Windscent that we're we're messing with a little bit now, and some of the guys that are using it around their trail cameras are having a good luck. Windscent is in like W Y N D. Yes, yeah. I believe yeah. Okay, yeah. They, they have partners up. They partnered up with Scent Crusher for the to make grenade. the grenade. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's so okay. Yeah. That vapor grenade. that shoots out. Well, they've got two different. They've got their their grenade that, but. They make it in like estrus and stuff, but they also have like a big vape pen well, that sits. That's probably what he's <laughs> yeah. talking about. Yeah, that's what it is. is that what it's you're like talking about? Okay, you got a yeah. remote control. I think that thing's going to be pretty good. Like I've got a scent, and I'm I'm going to try it next week with where I don't have to actually go out and have the scent on me, but it's going to be uh, I'm going to put the dominant buck in, and I'm going to try it around my decoy. Um, so I think that's going to be work. Cool. Yeah, that's. I've used scents around decoys, and I think that I've used Evercalm. That's a good scent. I've used that too. I love yeah. that. Eric yeah, killed his actually, uh, big buck with that. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good product. So this is kind of transitioning Some things are not gimmicks, but I I generally don't put anything on me because I don't want anything drawing its attention to me. That's what I like about this wind scent is it's on remote control and it's letting out a a, a vapor in the air rather than oh, yeah. actually something. It's just going to kind of release. At, at and then demand, miss, so. and then like dissipate. Yeah, so I'm kind of excited to try that, but otherwise so, I'm I I don't want to smell like earth scent or coon right. pee or nothing. I don't want hey, anything drawing its attention to me. We right. we've talked about this, and this will uh, I don't want to make this a big point, but um, there's so much know, to we, talk about, man. It's hard. Not to. I, I, I know, but we always talk about uh, 
you know, around this time is pretty good too, especially if you go out to campfires, you know, where that, that smoke is getting in. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, obviously lethal's got something different where uh, it's going to coat everything. Well, like smoke does the same thing too. And I remember <laughs> I'd seen, it was like deer incense sticks that, you know, you light and yeah. Yeah. Tinks, Tinks put that out. Tinks put that out. It's not a bad deal, but like vapor. Imagine if the wrong hippie got a hold of that. Let me light this, man. Oh, what is this? (laughs) Lighten it up after he just watched, rewatched Woodstock the movie, and all of a sudden he's like, "Is that Del Estrus?" (laughs) That brings up a funny story. Oh, here we go. This is an Africa story, and I think all of us got to taste this at some point. But (laughs) Team Grizz uh, with the story. It was was Team Grizz and Larry. I think everybody, Larry and Ryan. It was Larry wearing a vest. Larry was wearing a vest. That's kind of his signature. So his body's cold, but his arms are warm. Yeah, his, <laughs> he's swole. So, so one day we were we had bad winds for it was it was really swirly wind, and uh, so the guides they they come out carrying bags. All three of our guides come out carrying bags. Like, what's in the bag? And it's like buffalo shit. And it was it was from Cape Buffalo. They actually got a bunch of that, and it was dried. They had gathered this up, and they actually burn it near your blind, so it kind of gets that smell. It's almost like the scent wick, and and they said uh-huh. it works really well. Now we did get winded that day, but the wind was blowing straight out of wildebeest. Right, right. Um, so I thought this was. Go- I thought they were going to say like cover yourselves in this. No, but the bad thing was you're in these hides, and and then the wind kind of was swirling all of a sudden. For five minutes straight, the wind's blowing right into your eyes. So we're sitting in there. <laughs> and I feel shit. like we're just yeah, Dude. we're huffing v- buffalo, smoked buffalo crap. And it, it <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I thought they were gonna say like cover yourselves in this. You sons of bitches! You should have smoked this shit in Hickory. No, uh, where where I work at, there is a <laughs> literally right across the street is a uh, is a is a sewage plant. So if the wind's right. You're gonna be smelling shit down down the river from us. If the wind's right, you're gonna be smelling how dog food's made. Yeah. So every day I go to work, either I smell shit or shitty dog food, or what the dogs eat before they make the shit. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, that's a- one thing I want to trans. We covered a lot, and there's still a ton to talk about, and we're just gonna have to do a part two. Um, the moon. The moon. Okay, okay so this is a big thing. Shoot and the moon. Our buddy Gene Miller, big shout out to him. Love him to death. Just killed a nice antelope with the show here was hunting. He's a big guy on the moon. Every morning in our group chat, he's like, this is what the moon's doing today. Give me your take on the moon. Okay, so my... And the rut in the moon. Okay, here's, here's my honest opinion on... Or I will say not even my opinion, my thoughts on the moon. With me... Well, I've, I've what got, is the difference between your thoughts and your opinion? I'm just curious. Well, because I'm my thoughts are how I'm thinking, but my opinion hasn't been totally developed yet. <laughs> I want it. Okay. So, so we're going to hear both. A, super yeah, okay. I love that. I love so it. All right. I want to hear my, thoughts my and thought opinions. My thought on the moon is I, I absolutely think that there's something to how the moon affects the deer movement. Absolutely. Okay. You do but, think that. Okay. Yeah. And I think it it's um, – I've noticed – just as the simple man would say, like my breakdown during a full moon, I notice a lot more midday day activity. Um, it just seems like the mornings are a little slower. The midday's better. 
at that time. That's one thing I've noticed. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the timing of the rut. I haven't studied the moon charts and all that because basically as a weekend warrior and vacations, I'm going to hunt every time I can. Regardless. Regardless. Sorry, Matt. So, no Walt Disney World for yeah. you. Yeah. You don't care about Walt Disney. <laughs> Look at this kid. Yeah, this kid's a deer hunter through and through. But so I, that's my thing. Is like I never pay attention to the moon, and, and and it confuses me. Like I don't know what a full moon means from a half moon to whatever moon that. Do your do your trail cameras give you the little moon? Yeah, like the moon shape. Yeah, who gives a they shit? Do, but I don't pay attention because yeah. like I'm like you, Clark is, and that's most of working class bow hunters out there is. And that's one thing I want to clarify when when I talked about. Um, and I don't know what your opinion is on it. Maybe we'll get we'll get to that this episode. Um, when you always see those articles and posts about the rut's going to be early this year, blah 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 blah, and more earlier intense rut than last year. Ugh. And I put a post out, and some people I got criticized for it, and some people, m- most people were agreeing. Who said something? Let's call them out right now. No, no, no. Right. But I will say, like, there's a lot of people that were like. Uh, no, I agree. Like I said, you know when the rut's good in your area. You know deer movement. Consistently, from past experience, I know there's a two-week span where I'm going to take my vacation, and that's where I'm going to have the most success. No matter right. what's going on, even if a blog on Facebook or another podcast tells me that the rut's going to be October 26th through November 1st. Or that stupid yeah fucking squirrel picture dude everybody <laughs> you like that squirrel picture. he does he does damn it dude i'm telling you man do you i've got so many that? pictures like, of that just yeah, go with what you know what is consistent i think here's my train of thought is that the timing of the rut is is pretty pretty general every year the same things are going to be happening in late october the same thing's going to be happening around the 5th of november so on i say oh, but, i always say the 7th is my example the yeah. 7th of november and that's when and I, that's I think, I think it was. I don't know if it was Mark Drury or maybe Don Higgins. That some somebody said something that struck with me that was perfect, and I I don't know who to give the credit to because it was one of those guys. Right. But they said that what you're seeing, they felt the same way I feel. Like the moon, it it affects deer movement, but it doesn't really affect the timing of the rut. It's more it it exposes what you're seeing. Like right. you might if 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 the moon hits right during the chase phase, you're going to see more chasing because it's not happening so much at night because of the moon phase. Yeah, but they're still going to be that. chasing at the same time. Kurt, you yeah. literally, uh, I think you shared something with Bill Winky. I think you shared in one of the the, the group chats where Bill Winky. I, I think it was Bill Winky that said the moon does not affect the rut. Period. I agree, hundred percent. That's that's what I think, and I don't know. I don't well, think here's it was Bill my Winky thing. that said it, but I think it's it's right. I mean it. Yeah, well, it makes sense. My thing, like lately, and I don't know if it's just if it's me personally. If it's me personally, I'm sorry. I don't know. I can't help it. Or if it's just uh, like a social media like impact. Talk about the October lull is yeah. You, you see a lot of things <laughs> on the October lull, and a lot of people call the rut. And there's a lot of people that are almost calling like I, what I like about the jury so much. And I've grown up watching the juries and the real tree guys is uh. The juries have always said, like, this isn't the final word, but this is, like, what we've experienced. Exactly. And I've, and I've always yeah. respected them for that. Um, but it's almost like people want to call things as that's what it is. Like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And this is what you should do. But that's not always the case. Like, you need to go by. Yeah, if, you, if you're brand new into it, yeah, you can listen to those and kind of learn your own curve off of it. But don't base it concrete off of what that person tells you, because where you hunt in your area exactly might be different. So 
Hey, can, in, can, can, can hold, I touch hold on, on this? Hold on, yeah, hold on. Finish this point. I want to touch on that. So, like, on a property that I've grown up hunting, which I don't get to hunt anymore, but I hunted since I was 10 years old to when I was 24, I knew that does going estrus roughly in this two-week span. I can't call it. Of course, I'm not going to get to the point, but wouldn't it almost be safe to say that in that area, does are going to go into estrus about the same time of year? They're I on their so. cycle? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I I think the timing of the rut is basically around the 23rd of the of October, I'm going to be getting serious about hunting evenings. And by the 27th, I'll probably start hunting mornings and evenings. Right. Uh, and that'll last all the way till Thanksgiving, basically. Yeah, until after uh, the gun pressure. Yeah. And then and then I'll switch to mostly evenings again and start hunting the food sources later in the year. But, yeah. but that rut is going to hit about then every time. And I think the biggest factor of everything is the weather and the cold fronts. Yeah. That's the one thing I've noticed is cold fronts affect deer. If you're looking for something to spike the, the deer activity, it's not a new moon. It's a cold front. Right, sure. I mean, because if if you have an awesome cold front come in, I don't care what the moon phase is, the deer are going to get on They're their feet. They're going to move, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Unless um, it's too cold. I've seen too cold. I mean, we had that during, I think it was the third week of November a couple of years ago. It got yep. down to <sighs> 10 degrees or something, and too the deer did it? not move that way. As in like they just wanted to bed up? Yeah, they just seemed – I but, think there's an extreme either way, but if you can stay in that, that magical – Ross Bigger shot a shot a nice buck on one of the coldest days last year. But in it's November, always December. last light when you shoot those. Yeah, deer and, and it was supposed yeah. to be cold then. I think yeah. it, it depends yeah. on your season. Oh, okay, okay. I think so all that depends on seasonal temperatures. That like, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If if it's supposed to be fifty four for an average, and you get a cold front that drops it down to forty, that's I'm great. Gonna, but if it drops it to ten degrees, then I it, think you'll see it go the other way. It's out. Of, yeah. It's out of the ordinary. For yeah. Are you going to make a point right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make I want to make a, a quick point. So, you know, when when you were talking about, uh, did I forget what I was going to say? Yes, you did. So let me go. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And go. <laughs> God, man, He's I got up on the it was going to be good. <laughs> um, no, go ahead. I want to talk about calling during the rut. And we sort of talked about this. Um, we had last episode. We did like a listener question episode, and there's a lot of like a lot of rut questions, which were uh, we should have had you in on that. That would have been like a four hour long episode. It would have been, <laughs> been a fun one. We, we, next time, Clark, we're going to do a question uh, listener question episode with that, and you'll be in because we'll, it'll be a four hour. Long, we'll do like a three part. Yeah. But um, calling, I always said like call. I don't even remember exactly what I said, but I said at least half as much as what you think you should. That's that's probably yeah. a good rule of thumb. I I call very sparingly. I don't do a lot of blind calling. Uh, most okay. of the time, I'm if I see an animal that I'm trying to contact. I don't know. I've hunted with guys that out comes a buck and instantly they're grunting, and it's like they don't know whether the buck's going to come at them or go away from. They're them. not reading his body language. Yeah, and and they're just instantly. Oh, there's a buck. I got a grunt. Well. I think that's the wrong approach. The right approach to me, and this is strictly my opinion, but if if you see something, I mean, it might be a, a doe out in the field and that buck is moving towards it, and you can grunt and get his attention and change his mind for a minute, that's a, that's a good situation to grunt in. Uh, it might even be that there's a doe or a buck that's actively searching. You want a doe bleed at him because... He's looking for something. You can tell when they're on that trot that they're yeah, looking. Right. And that, that might be a time because you don't feel like he's coming close enough. But that's and that kind of is in a nutshell. 
if I don't think he's coming to me, then I might call. But right. I don't call just to call, especially if he's looking my way. I never call when they're looking my way. Or a lot of guys make the mistake of a deer's already heading your way. Yeah. Like, it's that's, that's in my opinion, that's the biggest rookie mistake you can make. Call to speed like, him up. Yeah. Like, nah. don't call. If he's coming your way, don't call. If he heads left or right or whatever and he's heading the way, you know, call once. Yeah. If he stops and looks, quit calling. Yeah. Wait a minute. Right. And then if he starts walking again, whop, call. Yep. And if he looks again, stop. I agree. All and right. then he might go, who the fuck's over there and turn around and come your way? Yeah. But if you sit there and brup, 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 he's going to go, that ain't right. Yeah, yeah, go fuck yourself. And I only do enough to let him know if I feel like he's heard me, <laughs> like I don't keep calling. <laughs> right, right. Once, I, once he perks up and I know, okay, he heard me call. Unless he goes back the other way and goes back to what he's doing, I'm not going to call again. Right. But if he's if he's on full alert because I and we're call, talking straight grunt, yeah, straight grunt, and uh, like I know the buck roar. People talk about the buck roar. The only time I'm it's in aggressive. a buck roar, it's yeah, aggressive. is is if it's a basically throwing a hail mary because yeah. that buck's <laughs> just cruising and he, I grunt once and he, there's no chance he heard me, so I'll give a roar just to yeah. just like, to catch his attention. You'll hear it, and then see how he reacts to that but you really got to read their body language yeah and uh it's a big part as, of it that's yeah. the be- that's the biggest part of it in calling yeah. all right um, i got it, I, last year i did blind call um but only because my dad was sitting east of me a couple hundred yards and he saw a deer go into the ravine i was in yeah so he's like there's a buck in there somewhere mm-hmm. and it was been an hour and i went whop 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 and i did a tending grunt you know the tick 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 yeah and i waited 15 minutes, nothing. And I went, what? One grunt. And here we come up the ravine. So yeah. I've I, had it work too. Actually, last year, my hunt with Ross, um, we we was deciding we were going to get down. I think it was 11 o'clock. Mile time club. And it was about 20 after 10. And so I said, I'm just going to give some blind calls just because we're hunting real close to a thicket mm-hmm. and just see what happens. And a lot of times I think, you don't even realize you called him in. It's like 10 minutes. But that deer come in, he was looking for something. Oh, yeah. He knew something should be there, and he wasn't looking for danger. He was just looking like, what's up? Where, where's it at? Yeah. Yeah. That. Now, uh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, because I, I, I wanted to touch on that. But, Kurt, I remembered uh, what I wanted to ask originally, but I wanted to transition to that, too. So I'll ask the first question first. Um me and Kurt have <laughs> sit here and we sat here and watched videos of guys that are like, "Oh man, if you don't kill this deer within ten days, yada yada yada." Um, you know, do you not think that some of that shit's obje- uh, you know subjective? Where it's like, if you took four guys that had property, boom, 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 right next to each other, and you sat there and you said, "All right, this is how you're going to kill a deer these next ten days." based on this and this because you know for, for for everyone who's an expert of where they hunt you know you get four guys next to each other that that hunt properties next to each other you're never going to have the same hunting experience so i've lost you i don't know what you're talking I, about you, you don't want to, <laughs> all right you get too many guys that sit here and tell you like dude look this is how you should hunt but you never really know the property you're on, I, I, I That's think... That's like how I said earlier. Like, too many guys call it in one big blanket term. Too many guys call it in... Everyone. So, 
Everything's situational. It's situational. That's I mean, the you best gotta, way to You got to just kind of take yeah. the temperature of what's going on around you. And, right. And there's going to be days that the blind calling works, and there's going to be other days where I don't like those really calm days where there's not a sound in the woods, and then you yeah. sit there and call, and I don't want to call yeah. in that situation. So how do you – If you do call just, in that, like I – well, the other night it got quiet. Like uh, it would be last night. It would be the – what was the 25th? Yeah. It got real quiet like the last hour and a half before dark. And I called, I blind called just a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a draw, like a, a random ravine. Uh, no, it's not even a ravine. It's just a creek line, basically with some CRP. So I figured if I blind called, something in that area would hear it. And the only reason why I did, because our buddy Trevor Schmidt said I rattled and had a good, a good four and a half yeah. year old come in, yeah. but I couldn't shoot him. He was like in some brush. So I'm like, well, I'll try it. Rattling through a couple of grunts out, and I didn't see anything, but um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Sure. But. Well, all right. So before I sound like a total idiot, really, like, oh, what was Steve asking? I want to know, you know, for each of those four guys, you got one tip for four guys. You got to know your property. How do you personally scout, even during during the season? What do you – what are some tips that for guys who are – out in the woods right now, next couple days, aren't seeing deer, but you know you're in the woods, there's deer there. What are some tips you're going to give guys to where are they going to move to? What are they going to look for? How are you going to start finding some deer? Um, that's kind of a tricky question because you got you can go to the hottest sign, but you got to be able to access that, that sign. So I want to be able to and by that I mean approach. I'm talking your your approach in and and how you're going to get back out without spooking. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out that. So you might find the hottest sign in the woods, but if you can't get to it and you there's never a favorable wind to hunt it, then that might not be the spot to be. But if you can uh, approach it and kind of find that little chink in their armor, then it, then it works. So naturally, you want to look for the the rubs, scrapes. Uh, Mostly tracks. Tracks are probably the number one. Tracks and droppings. That yeah. proves they're there. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're finding a spot that's all tracked up and lots of droppings, deer are spending a lot of time there. You might find a, one scrape that's an awesome scrape, but who knows if it was made at midnight, if there's not a lot of other sign around Some it. Some teenager was just making graffiti. Yeah. It could be. Same with rubs. I mean, essentially. That's yeah, why got, I've never, like, personally, I've never focused too hard on scrapes or rubs. Unless I physically see the animal make those scrapes or rubs in daylight, right? And uh, I put way. a camera on one. I've had good luck, but, but again, it's at night, you know. Though. Like I yeah, saw it is at night. Not not this past weekend, but the weekend before, I saw a good twelve that I know well. Well, I'm starting to know well. Make a scrape. I went in and hung a stand last weekend, and I took a picture. I can, I should post that. Do you see it in the group chat? I have a picture of the scrape after I saw him make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I have a picture a week later, and it's like three times the size. So it's got to be the same buck. I'm a, I'm assuming. I thought maybe that was not. Gene that sent that. I'm, I apologize. No, is, I is that, that, that safe that to you. assume that that's probably the same buck? I think sometimes, but not not necessarily. Not always. But most of the time, I think, yeah. Could be. Especially. They had scab labor come in and build the scrape <laughs> bigger. <laughs> well, what I'll do, too, is look at the direction that they're facing. And if they're basically uh, the shiny side is facing the cover, they're probably moving out at night making those scrapes. And the same oh. vice versa if they're if they're coming in. Like, if you can kind of make a line out of those rubs, 
Right. And I might have said scrape before. I meant rubs. I, but, I hear it. Yeah. But if you, if you can yeah, make a line out of those rubs um, going back into the thicket, you know, that's kind of their approach coming back in. So you know if it's morning or afternoon by yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it can help yeah. you. Right, it, yeah. it can, you can kind of build that plan. Like, I think he's going back in here to bed, or I think he's coming from this area to feed. So try to figure out their direction. Right. And I may not hunt that exact rub line, especially during the rub, because it, they may not be using that. But okay, Steve's got I would something. keep that locked into my mind for where's that, and then where's the doe bedding area? Where are most of the does hanging out and feeding? And try to find that transition where where you can get into between that because he's going to come back to his his core area mm-hmm. some and he's also going to get back up and he's going to go search for the does right yeah and and don't get tripped up that uh you know you messed up rub and scrape i've often told people about my lovely memphis memphis scrape mm-hmm. to go on brisket but i want to ask you um what memphis rub that's a, it's it's a barbecue joke. Um, I'm curious because I've been See, seeing this a little bit more and more. Do you do you use decoys? Yeah, I, I don't use them a lot, but there's situations. If I'm hunting a big open area, I will. Um, another thing, for instance, we have a a couple years ago. I was hunting with a guy, and we were filming for Respect the Game. It's actually an episode, and. We had a buck that me and Matt called uh, the Big Eight, and he, yeah, oh, he yeah. wasn't a super high scoring deer. He had a real heavy antlers, huge body deer. But in all of all of my trail cam pictures, if there was another buck, that deer was bristled up, like he was. You knew he was a dominant buck in that area, and I didn't want him to be because he was kind of an undesirable deer. Like he was uh-huh. a big deer, but at he's the same a bully. Time, yeah, you didn't want that <laughs> yeah. guy bullying away all the nice ones, so. Um, I was going to, this guy that I was taking, he he wasn't picky on. He just wanted a mature deer. So I said, I've got this buck coming up to my food plot a lot. And the other thing is, is if there's ever bucks, he's always bristled. So we're going to take that decoy, set it in the food plot. Oh, yeah. If he even comes to any edge of that food plot, he should come in. Well, it wasn't a half hour in, and we had a DSD decoy out. Those, those are incredible are, oh yeah. these things yeah. dave smith decoys yeah you and pay they don't for sponsor them. us but the, i'll you tell pay you what for them. <laughs> those things are incredible he, that he, i've tried other decoys and those things uh, even the does don't spook like they do like you use those some of the other brands and i watched it, a video and it's been maybe a year or so they're like we can't keep up with the man that we're like struggling yeah because their decoys are so realistic it's it's insane. It'll blow your their turkey decoys Dude, are yeah. so amazing. Oh, yeah. They need to send us one so we can have in the studio. Yeah, it'll be five hundred dollars <laughs> for that, sir. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think the cool charge they're, they're, Clark Cummings. They're, yeah. Look those Dave Smith decoys up while Clark talks more about them before yeah. we we don't want to cut it's, them off. It's anymore. insane. That thing is awesome. But we we put that decoy up, and I've heard different guys' theories on how to face the decoy. Regardless, to me, the deer almost always approaches it kind of quartering from behind from behind okay yep so that's what interesting I do, yeah and i i put it because he's gonna like do that sidestep posture kind of yep. coming around from behind a lot of people think they're gonna want to head to head it but they seem to want to go around it so the tail end of that thing you want to like a five foot buff or five yard buffer 
because he's usually going to stay back a little bit before he charges in on it. So if you have a hang on, you know that your wind's going a certain way. You put the stand out. If you put it at thirty yards, you know he's going to be at twenty five ish. Well, twenty ish. I usually put it in at about fifteen and face it towards me. And now I've talked to other guys that want to face it away from them. Okay. The only thing that I say when you face it away from them is that thing looks like it's sitting there staring out at something. That some bitch oh. looks really good. I hear man. you. Okay, yeah. it's staring out into the field like it's looking at something out there. Yeah, and I've I've actually tried that, and I've had especially other deer. Yeah, that's an awesome decoy. That's a posturing yeah. decoy, dude. My and, God. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, so, yeah, that it's like alert. Like what the hell is out in this field? Like, same as same as turkey decoys. I like them facing me. A lot of people don't. I mean, I've heard people say face them away. I like right. them facing me, and that's I want them at fifteen yards. That way, when he circles from behind it. He's going to be generally within that 25-yard range. You just put the decoy a little closer than like what I said and facing into you. Yeah. Okay. I yes. like it facing into the brush personally because in my mind that makes it look like there's a doe bedded in there, and it kind of leaves that uh, gray it's, area for the buck that's coming in. It's like, has he got a doe locked down? Why is he facing that way? So he comes in, and he's right. posturing towards it. And he's going to kind of sneak tack from the – and when he comes around the side, that's when you get your shot. Yeah. So, oh, so wow. Damn, that's some so deep can, shit right there. I'll, I like I'll, that. Yeah, and that's nuts. But I'm going to ask you this. If you had any available scent that, like, you could you could use, you know, don't esterous. Well, he's just saying the, the wind scent that you used earlier on. Uh, that, oh, then the wind scent. Would you – what's, like, your number one go-to? Or Honestly, what yeah. I've done in the past is uh, – I've just took that Evercalm, looks like the deodorant stick, uh-huh. and I put a little bit right by the tail. Yeah, okay. And I've actually had deer licking that. Um, I've like done I the say, same thing on one of my doe decoys. Yeah. Just so they can, yeah, okay. It gives them a little something to to come up to, and they generally will approach it from behind. And uh, Yeah. The other thing, I add a tail flicker. Um, the one I've got, I think Primos makes it. Yeah, it's a, it's a little, uh, little remote control. Some, is that is that wireless or is it yeah. always wired? No, it's wireless. Okay, it's like a um, cotton tail type. Deal yeah, I've seen yeah. that thing in it. It's moves. like a little synthetic tail, and it just you can just flick the tail. And I've had I don't usually do it when there's a buck there. I just usually a buck comes in, he's just kind of locked in on it. And he wants to fight if it's an aggressive buck. Yeah, but a doe will come in and she'll on a decoy without that. She'll come in and it's like she's analyzing that thing constantly. Yeah. Well, about the time you feel like she's getting spooky, I flick that tail and then she kind of changes her posture. Like, oh, it is. And it's like, huh. well, and then she like takes a few more. And I've had very few does blow at me since I went to the tail flicker. So that's when I use it, try to keep them from boogering out. Because right. that's the one problem I have with decoys is sometimes the does will come in and, yeah, and mess you snort up. at but them. But about like from a human perspective, if you walked in. And there was just like a mannequin showing there. You'd be like, "Dude, what are you doing?" If he gave you like sixteen thumbs up in a row, you'd be like, "Oh, this guy's part of the Matrix. I'm out of here." Yeah, like, yeah, you're weird, man. Yeah, yeah. it's fine hey, though. Does um, <laughs> does your calling and re- like, so if if you put a decoy out, mm-hmm. do you not like you know call as much or use rattles much? Do you, do you just do you use I, that decoy as your I mean, do you even take a, a call to the woods with you if you put that out there? To I'll, me, uh, I'm curious of what you do. To me, all calls are just a peak curiosity. Uh-huh. 
and the decoy gives them that visual effect. Like, so if you call, so, there, the, yeah, you utilize a blind call to call on a buck to be like, look into the field edge and see that object. And yeah, field. you you would yeah. feel more comfortable using a blind call if you had that decoy out there. Yeah, I mean, it okay. depends on the situation, but like I say, if I'm in thick cover, I will blind call when I yeah. feel like it's the right time. Not a not every ten minutes, but maybe every hour, I might just let out a couple grunts just to. Right. Just to give something. I'm a firm See, believer in a gun, there, grunt right. call. I've always got a grunt call. I like a doe bleat just as well. Um, right. Well, we both got the dual uh, red collar. The fancy one. Yeah. You got the video the stretch out. Back. Yes. Yeah. Stretch back. Yes. Stretch back. Stretch a good call. I love that. It was awesome they put that video out of you, like talking about how you carry one call on the dominant buck and one on the bleat. Yeah. That's I don't awesome. know if you guys noticed on, on my 181 I killed a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I doe bleat at that. And the reason I doe bleated is that deer was really skittish. He didn't seem to like other deer Steve, that much. Steve, you probably not going anywhere. We're going to be in closing <laughs> here. So, Hold on to it. Yeah, so the one thing I've I've noticed with uh, like that particular buck, I'd seen him a time or two. He was just a super skittish deer. He was never near other deer, so I didn't want to grunt at him. Right, because you get it all, yeah. all weird. He you just seemed passive. Go ahead. What are you, are you freaking out? I have to pee really bad. <laughs> just, just talk uh, for holy, two more minutes. No, you're good. So, so yeah, I'm. I'm uh, you get out. Yeah. So, <laughs> Steve, <laughs> old Steve, he's a mess. Him. Yeah, he's a mess right now. We're a minute or an hour and forty five into this. I'm holy a mess cow. apparently too. Yeah, but okay. So, sorry, Clark. So yeah. Anyway, but what I did is I doe bleated at that deer because I just felt like if I grunted, he might get. He just seemed like a passive deer, even though he right. had a big big rack on his head. He just seemed passive. So I, but he seemed like he was searching for something at the same time. So that's he was where just I, older and just was over it. Yeah, that's what I kind of think. Right. I I know the deer was at least six and a half, and he might have been more than that. God, it's so interesting to me. Like he just probably experienced enough of it, and he was tired of it, and yeah. just uh, like Bill Wingy, we just watched a video like. This older deer is just bedding out in the open. Like, they become careless because nothing's hurt them yet. Yeah. You think that has something to do with some of this stuff? Or? I think so. It kind of can go, like, one way or the other. Like, they either have had these certain experiences in their life where they become super skittish. Like, how you're saying, like, oh, it didn't you, you don't want to grunt at them or whatever. Or certain deer that are just bedding in the open because they've maybe in their lifetime haven't had any issues yeah you know like you think you think that's a thing that happens often or i think so yeah i I think some deer i've i've seen certain deer have tendencies to just walk across wide open pastures and i'm thinking man he's big he shouldn't be doing that but he just cruises right across there matter of fact sometimes it makes him hard to hunt yeah yeah i've had deer that i i could see regularly but they were so random and I think that's what kept them alive, is they were so hard to pattern. They didn't, they didn't stick to anything. Like, they didn't bed here every night and move to that food yeah. every night. Yeah. I mean, he'd, he'd walk across an open field just with the blink of an eye. So let's transition to one more thing here, and we'll do this in closing, because uh, this might be the longest podcast we've ever <laughs> it done. It for sure I'm, is. I'm getting a little windy. Dude, I, you know <laughs> what, man? We're so close, I kind of want to stretch it out to two hours. Maybe we will. See. Maybe we will. So... <laughs> Talking about wind right now, this is a big thing. And uh, W I N D, not W Y N D. <laughs> the wind is one thing that everyone's always talking about. They're like, you know, it's how do you hunt it? How do you play it? And it's uh, 
you know, everyone sets up for northish winds. Yeah. Because that's normally what happens, but you need, you better have a sand for a south wind somewhere on your ground. And uh, the first time Clark ever talked about a wind change, I remember this. It was. Deer, mature deer only move with purpose. And that yeah. shit stuck with me ever since. And that might have been a year ago. It yeah. was about a year ago. And you, you told us about that. And I remember. Ever since then, anytime there's a wind change during deer season, and it's still this well, acre, it's like there's a wind change I'm setting right here. Well, yeah, because a deer. Let's just talk about this. I won't even go into it. Yeah, let's talk about the wind and how maybe you will hunt a wind versus what direction it's coming out of, or if the wind's changing or whatever. Like, how? What do you set up for, and what do you look for in wind direction? Okay, I'm the- sorry, that's sort of a loaded question, but. Um, have Matt answer like, it. Okay, so first of all, yeah, we can. <laughs> so we had, you asked me earlier about finding a sign, and then you got to find the, the kink in his armor. Right. Okay, so then when you're setting up your wind, what wind direction do I want to hunt this set on? A lot of people always think, well, I'm sitting along here, so I want the wind blowing directly away from where the deer are going to be, which the problem with that is, deer rarely move with the wind straight at their back yeah so i mean i'm not saying they never do because you might go out tomorrow and see one and say well he's wrong because i've seen it where they do move at their wind at their back but right that's In usually most smaller deer and yeah a, a big deer knows that he has to use the wind for danger to find those everything it's as much to him as his eyes yeah so he's going to use i think a quartering wind is the best wind because he's going to walk into that wind. It's going to give him that sense of security. Plus, he's kind of feeling like he knows what's happening up ahead of him. Right. But if he... Uh, quartering wind. Yeah, that quartering wind. You can't big, have it that's straight a big, into his nose because then yeah. he'll catch you. So you got to catch that quartering wind. And you'll find a spot where, imagine a, an east-west ridge. And you've got a... Let's just see say he's moving from the west and you've got an east wind it's going to be blowing right at his face yep but if you've got a northeast wind and he's coming straight from the east you got that angle working for you yeah there's a spot where you're gonna if yeah if he moves down he might catch you but at some point there's a there's a spot he's either going to round a bend and that might be his weak spot you're blowing my mind right now as you talk clark because seriously like the way you broke it down where i hung that stand i was talking about where i shot my doe and how i said there's a creek there there's a draw on all the pinches the northeast wind would be the absolute most perfect scenario i never even thought of it now until you just picture that like my i'm just it's hard to break out of the close-mindedness and maybe that's not a word of hunting when like yeah, your own brain clutters you with all these thoughts of of strategy that you just need someone else to come in and lay out something for you, generalize like you just did, and that just broke it down for me perfectly. Yeah. So think about this. Think about this. Oh, hold if, on, if, I want you to go back into what yeah, you're go talking back about into that. this, okay. and then I want to I, I want to bring up something that I think might help this situation. But you do you because it's probably more educated. Quartering winds is huge. Okay, that's like, yeah. huge well, shit. Yeah, so, yeah there's. I think I said this in my last one. There's got to be a point that the wind is almost wrong for you. Now, naturally, you don't want it to be wrong, but you want it to be to where the deer has a false sense of security. He's got to be moving where he thinks he's got he's got everything in his favor, but there's a spot 
there where when you gotcha. hit this trail. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, you want the suddenly, gotcha moment. Yeah, that's right. And it, it might be the bend of the field that you can get them. It might be uh, the bend of a creek. I like I like hunting near a bend, uh, especially like a creek. I might have my wind blowing. Let's just say you've got a north and south running creek, and you've got a south wind, and he's coming from the north. But that, that wind's blowing south with a little kick of west to it. So, and it's pushing it right over the water because that, that creek made a bend. Mm-hmm. So he's following that creek thinking he's he's got that north wind, but there's that spot in the creek where it bends, and your wind's going straight <laughs> over the water. Yeah. And it continues over the water for far enough that he's there's no spot he can ever get behind you. But he's still following the same creek thinking that the wind's in his favor. And in ninety percent of that creek, it is. But that's where you got to find your spot. And Damn that's how, shit, so dude. That another is, one is a that's the way to kill deer right there. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit! That if um if anything's ever been said on our podcast about how to kill, why tell you like your best chances if you know a deer's moving. That was that was the content right there, in my opinion. For all you, uh, everyone who's looking for us to sprinkle some luck dust for the luck of the podcast, uh, just go ahead and listen to that tip. Uh, let us save some dust for when that, we need it. I really wow. do think that that's some of the most. That might be the, like the hardest drop of whitetail info I've ever heard. Honestly, like that's well, that's a big Clark deal. Clark is looking at you stone face. Like he's I, like, yeah, so, stupid. Like, I know, but like, to you, that, to you, that's common sense. But like for me, like. That's nuts. I, 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 I've thought about that, and I'm saying like a lot because I'm kind of mind blown right now. I'm doing the old like, 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 like thing. Like, 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 yeah, like a YouTuber. It's, um, that's nuts. It's kind of like a reality check in a way because sometimes you overthink things so much to where that just is so simple and it makes so much sense. Yeah. It really is a simple concept. You just got to get out of that mentality. So many people want to hunt with, they want to sit on the, the edge or sit in the thick and blow their wind to the wide open. Well, that may even be wrong. If you're hunting a food plot, you don't want your wind blowing into that food plot. You're better off to have it blowing into a, a piece of the cover right. that the deer aren't using. And that, especially, like, if you have a real high ridge or a steep ravine that they can't cross, if you can put your wind to that ravine to where they are they may be parallel in a ridge, and that wind's in their favor the whole way until they hit that, that one. Say if you're on a, a east-west ridge... And all of a sudden they're coming, they're following that ridge, and then they hit a ravine that runs north and south. At the tip of that ravine, there's usually a little a spot up at the top of the field where they don't, when they bulldoze out a field, they don't leave or they don't push it all the way down to the hill. They leave a thirty yard buffer or so. Right, right. So for one, you got the the terrain is forcing them up because it's a big gouge that they can't or gorge that they can't cross. So they are either going to have to go up or down, and they come up along that edge. Well, your wind is blowing over that big, deep cut that runs north and south. Mm-hmm. So you, your deer, they're traveling east and west, and they're parallel in that. Say if you've got your uh, your your north wind, and it's blowing it out, and you've got the deer smelling everything that's on that ridge, then they hit that spot. The wind's all of a sudden good for you to shoot them. Right. So you got to kind of watch that, and if they're if they're using the field, say if in that same scenario they're using the field to feed in, then you blow your wind down that that ravine instead, right? And at that point, the wind's good for that for the night because they're following along, looking out in that field. 
And well, my thought him. was like when I when I was telling you about the stand I hung, I hung it for the rut. Technically, I shot that doe for redemption. Like I had lost a doe. I talked about on the podcast. Um, so this this creek line, it's I thought the banks were steep enough that deer wouldn't want to cross it, and I ended up being wrong about that completely. But the creek runs east west, and there's a that draw. It's what I explained earlier. There's a, a draw that runs north south, and there's a pinch between beans. It's all beans right there. And I figured northwest one would be perfect because the deer aren't going to want to cross the creek. They're all going to run along the creek. Mm-hmm. And my wind would run, if on a north, anything wind would run across the creek. And they, would, they were, weren't going to want to cross it. But I did set it up to where I could shoot across the creek if I had to. It would be a 40-yard shot. And uh, what I found is the first afternoon I sat there is all the deer were coming from the creek. And I did sit there on a south wind in the afternoon. Um, my wind was blowing to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, which I ended up being perfectly fine there, but all my deer came from behind me from the south. Right. And uh, so what I'm worried about is hunting there in the morning uh, on a north wind is that all the deer are going to be coming from the south, and that's where my wind's going to be blowing. Right. Um, But it's one of those spots where a deer coming from the east could just run the creek line and never cross the creek and come in perfectly to where I saw that buck making the scrape. That's why I hung the stand there. Mm -hmm. And I, I I feel like the bucks were from the north side of the creek, which on a north wind would be perfect. That means they have more fancy money. But I don't know. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's one of those spots where deer could come from almost anywhere, but I would have... By looking at it from a map, I would assume the north wind would have been the best wind to hunt. Yeah. But I'm almost kind of thinking maybe a south a south wind in the afternoon might be the best wind to hunt for does. Yeah. But in the morning, I'm thinking if I can get in there on a north wind, it'll be in my favor. I, what, I just, was, I, what was the wind that you shot that uh, doe on? A south wind. It was a south wind. Yeah. And you saw 10 does. And you I saw 10 set does. Up. They all came from the south. Okay, but you didn't... You didn't set up there before. I, I had hung that stand that morning and okay. in the afternoon. But it, I, I didn't think they would, because the banks are steep to that creek. Well, it, they don't matter to deer, apparently. I mean, they can do shit that will amaze you. Yeah. I, I saw more deer walk through the middle of that creek than I would have ever imagined. I did not think they were going to use it that heavily. Every deer I saw walk through the creek was in the water. What is the what What is the? It was deepest? 80 degrees that day, though, too. Yeah. Well, so they were in there drinking and. What's the deepest water you think uh, deer will like comfortably but, go through? You know, but, like, like for, what do you think? Do I hunt that in the morning know? in the north wind? It seems like the wrong thing to do, but from what I've seen, bucks do come from where the pinch is, which is to the north. Mm-hmm. It would have been fine, but I don't want to sit there and have okay, maybe the buck will move through there, but have ten does wind me in the morning. You know, it's yeah, that's that's one of the things that I have to see it to. Give I'll show you the map the, after yeah. the after the podcast yeah, because and see it, what you think. If you could find that spot, that happy medium where you can push your wind for for good for the does and good for a cruising buck, that's when Yeah. My theory was like hang this stand for two weeks from now mm-hmm. and you'd have bucks running east west on that creek line checking does, just like I'm gonna hurry up, I'm gonna run through here and look for some do- some hot does. And even then, from like run through the creek, I feel like my wind would still be good. Even on north wind, I feel like it's gonna—it's so steep. I feel like I'd be blown over them. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough. I—I'll show you the—I'll show you the map after the podcast yeah, and see what like you think. But it's uh its one of those things like I'm battling my own mind. Yeah. 
and I, I can't make a, a, a hard decision on, on how I'm going to go about it and hunt it, you know? In the smaller your area, the, the harder that gets to be, yeah. too. Because, like, with me, I'm lucky. I hunt a lot of small farms, but I've got several of them. So I generally try to have something for each wind direction on each farm. Um, so that way, if if I've got a good buck in there, I can move into it might be my stand that's good for an east wind. I also have them set up a lot of times for morning and evening. So on a given piece, I might have eight stands because I've got eight different scenarios. Right. Um, See, I'm not opposed to either is like hanging stands super close, like, mm -hmm. but it, this works for this situation. This works for that situation in the wind and whatever. But, uh, we have made that two hour mark. We have, (laughs) we'll close her out here. Well, I want to, I want to throw in, Real quick, and I, I've never seen this before, but the reason why I asked you know, about the the deep water, I've never seen video like deer, you know, going in water. I've seen deer or swimming, deep, son, and mm-hmm. then like, and then you know, rolling around trying to because you've seen like horses and dogs and things where they try to roll around and shit and get their scent off. I've never seen anything like like what have you have you Poop. ever seen? Prove what? what? Prove that a dog rolls in dog shit? I said poop. Okay. Keep moving on. But I've never seen a deer try to roll around in like a dead squirrel or anything like dogs do. (laughs) I never have. So I was curious if, if, you know, if if a deer is crossing a creek, you're like, ah, shit, I might as well take a deep bath. That's why I was curious. Uh, It wasn't related, but. I've never seen them do that. I've seen them cross the water like curtsy, and I've never actually watched like straight them up water swim in the in the creek. But, but you know, like what here? Here's what I think. I can imagine during that second week of October or November. I'm sorry when the the bucks are rutting hard and they're hot and sweaty. I've seen deer pant like a dog, like like you never seen with the their tongue. Out. Okay, I know where you're going with this. I right? can see a buck getting into deep water and uh, like. Cooling off. I could, Kurt's yeah. are making me look stupid. No, I ask a legitimate question, and Kurt's making me look dumb. That's a thing. I guarantee that happens all the time. Do you think time. so? You've, have you never seen a buck pant like he's sweating his ass off? Hell like, no. Dogs. It, you've never seen a buck pant. It's not on YouTube, I but I've it. never seen it in real life. <laughs> that, I see. I see a buck panting every year. You never seen a buck come up and <sighs> with well, his know, tongue out. You figure a gut you shot think, deer, they get the fever and they go to the water. So yeah, the to the it, water. it makes sense that if they're just hot, that they already. Clark, know to have go you ever seen a buck pant? Yeah, like they pant like Absolutely. they like. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, they look stupid. They got their yeah. tongue like straight out, and their mouth wide <laughs> they open. They look dopey. Like yeah, they're they like, like they got, oh yeah. They, and then yeah, they will. They'll let their tongue hang out. That bottom jaw hang, yeah, and they'll just, just sit there. I got trail cam. Uh, yeah, but I got but, a trail cam picture right now. I'll pull up after from September into September of that buck I was talking about in daylight. Yeah, one of them. It's like seven thirty in the morning. He's running across the field, and you can see him panting. His tongue's hanging out, and his mouth is open. So yeah. why don't um, they don't sweat? Probably like just like a dog. But like I, I, apparently horses, like they were no like, one cares about the landowners were telling me the horses sweat. And I was like, what? Yeah, the horses might. But I, I don't got, know. Does it come out of their nose? They're covered in hair and they run. I don't know. I yeah, well, same thing panting. as a horse, but horses sweat. So I'm curious. Let's about end deer. on that. Sweaty horses and panting deer. <laughs> You How where did this podcast go? Clark, you got some shout-outs real fast we can close out on? Let's hear them. Huh. Matt's passed out. Yeah, he's passed out. I don't really have any. I mean, my shout-outs, I think we kind of covered everybody I like to shout-out through, yeah. through the episode. I mean, for sure. There's there's several things I believe in, but we Look talked about nice several. you're wearing, dude. Yeah, shout that out. Yeah, Realtree. That's a good shout-out. That's, that's, that's a hell awesome. of a hoodie. Let me feel it. Yeah. Is that felt? 
Clark, I will ask. Oh, it is Matt, now, Matt. I, know, I hope you. I hope you hear me here. You guys can wear some working class Bowhunter gear on camera this year. We will. We will. Yeah. Don't deal. be wearing that Dwayne the Rock Johnson bullshit around here. All right? This is serious business. So Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, we studio. were Stone Cold Steve Austin and Eugene stuff. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys for coming in. We yeah. appreciate the hell Sorry out of you. I kept you for so long. No, I. Uh, we could do another hour if I was if, if I could keep on yeah, going. Yeah, I could just sit here and talk. So. We could do a part two, part three, part four, part five. Yeah, we don't have enough yeah. beer. You want to come back next week, Clark? <laughs> yeah, we I can just do keep coming back. People get sick of hearing me no. talk. Uh, dude, they listen to Steve every week for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, what the hell, dude? <laughs> hey, All right, hey, guys. Kurt, Kurt, before we go, you have to read uh, something that we got sent into us. Oh, shit. I had it pulled up earlier. I forget. I, I forgot about it. Okay. This is from Craig Gogol. Um... He's been liking liked since July, so thank you for your love and support since July. Liar. I had to message off after listening to the last podcast. Most people go into their hunting story painting a picture of the details regarding the setup, the chain of events that happened in the stand, and so on. However, Steve's story took me on a totally different route with the details he gives. I literally painted a picture... I literally pictured him walking up with a bush light and giggling at the two flies he saw in rut... Then Funny still drinking a bush light while walking to a stand with a pony that he's probably named, most likely talking to it out loud about random crap. Then coming across a skunk, at which point he throws his empty beer can at to scare off. The whole story was in cartoon version in my head for some reason. Steve, <laughs> your stories are unique, but they're awesome. Anyway, the podcast is great, and I like what each of you bring to the table to make it enjoyable yet knowledgeable. Keep up the great work. Congrats on the early success, and good luck for the rest of the season, Craig. Steve, you would be an awesome cartoon. <laughs> he would. <laughs> you would. I'll end it on that note. Thank Craig, you, Craig, for your support. I want to. I want to say, equipment, uh, Craig. Thank you so much for the love and support. Um, hearing things like that, we read everything that you guys send in. That's the type of shit that uh, makes us really love what we do. Sorry, Matt, but. Um, it warms my heart. Thank you so much for uh, listening. I personally enjoyed your version of what happened. It wasn't the same. It was more badass. I pulled knives on a couple of fucking wildebeest. Okay, but I'm cutting you off. Thank you for so much, Kurt. Thank, thank you for the support, here. everyone. Beanies, out, scratch that. Stocking caps, WCB Attaboy. stocking caps will be go. up probably by Wednesday of next week. First week of November, we'll be in on that. Yes. Check them out. They'll be online. Hoodies are coming in, and we've got some more gear coming to you as well. Workingclassbowhunter.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Talk some shit to us. We'd love you. Good luck to you. Go shoot your bow. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.